everyone. My name is Jake, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Good Time In Podcast. Uh, so as always on this podcast, we're going to be talking about one of our all-time favorite bands, the Beach Boys. And uh, I'm really looking forward to today's episode in particular, because today we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite Beach Boys albums. Actually, it is my favorite Beach Boys album, and one of my favorite albums by anybody. Uh, and that album is Sunflower. So uh, we're going to be discussing everything from the album's history, uh, we're going to kind of set the stage as to what was going on within the Beach Boys at that time, uh, how they were doing. Uh, obviously, this was kind of a tough period for them, so we're going to get into that, uh, give some background. And, of course, uh, we're also going to get into some of the outtakes and extra material that was recorded around this time. Uh, this was a very interesting period for the band. There was a lot of recording going on. All of the members were contributing. You had Dennis recording, Brian recording, Carl recording. So it's a really interesting period, lots of material. Um, joining me today, I have Justin and Matt, uh, Riley may be joining us later on in the show. We'll see, but I'm happy to have you guys here. This is going to be a lot of fun discussing this album. Um, and, uh, so I guess to kick things off, let's give a little, uh, background behind this album, just some basic facts. So, uh, this was the Beach Boys 16th studio album. Uh, it was released in August, 1970, and it was their first album, uh, for Warner Brothers. Um, mm -hmm. they had previous Capital, uh, and their last album for Capital was 2020, but, uh, obviously, the Beach Boys, uh, they were kind of struggling around this time commercially. Uh, their relationship with Capital kind of soured a bit. So this album was their first album with the new label. Uh, this album was received pretty well for the most part, but unfortunately, it really bombed commercially. Uh, I think it charted around, like, was it like 150 or something? 151. Yeah, one, yeah, 151. So yeah, it did very bad in the U.S., but like you kind of said, Matt, uh, did do better in the U.K. I think it was yep. like top 30. Top four yeah, I think so. And in Europe, it was it was praised. I think Enemy called it like their Abbey Road or something. Like it was yeah. loved in Europe. But I know here it got good reviews, but yeah, it just didn't sell. Yeah. Um. And so the, lastly, so the album was recorded between uh, January 1969 to July 1970. Uh, they had put together several different album track lists between this time, which we'll get into. Uh, but they had put together several different track lists, such as I think one of them was called Reverberation, another was called Add Some Music. Uh, but these were both either incomplete um, or they were just rejected outright mm -hmm. um, because they felt that the material wasn't strong enough. I know Warner rejected add some music, um, but we'll get into that stuff later on in the show. Um, and uh, lastly, uh, this album is today considered one of the Beach Boys' best albums. It's a fan favorite. A lot of people, this is their second favorite Beach Boys album behind Pet Sounds. For some people like me, this is their favorite Beach Boys album. Uh, so it's a really acclaimed album today that uh, I'm glad is getting a lot more recognition because for a while, I think a lot of people didn't know about this album. So um, before I guess to begin, uh, you guys want to share your general thoughts on this album? Yeah, I can start. Um, excellent okay. record. Um, I think it's number three for me with my ranking, but yeah, it's a wonderful record. I like that. Like everybody kind of gets a chance to shine. Um, you know, it's not just the Brian show. Cause I know that was an oft criticism of the band in the sixties that it was kind of just the Brian Wilson show um i like that they kind of experimented with different styles on the album too um where it's like you kind of have like the more rockish tracks like um it's about time but then you also have like the more like kind of syrupy ballads like your dear dreams and your tears in the morning and then of course you have all i want to do which is pretty much like you know shoegaze or you know dream pop decades before that was even a thing so there's all kinds of cool stuff you got you know dennis's funky got another woman forever which as i've said before the, the wedding ballad that never was Cool, cool water is pretty a, a pretty experimental track. So yeah, I think it's a really great record, um, and I think this was also their first record that they actually have the masters to because I know they have the masters to everything post Capital, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. And also, um, 
it was the first record. This was also their first record pa- pa- past the uh, post the Sea of Tunes sale, which obviously you know devastated Brian. That Murray right. sold those for like next to nothing. So right. you know that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. So Justin, if you want to go. Yeah, I, uh, this is definitely my favorite Beach Boys album. Uh, it was kind of the album that kind of changed everything for me with them. Uh, I'd only known like the 60s stuff before, like I mentioned in the first podcast, um, finding those cassettes and that and the Sam the Record Man that one time with like all the 70s albums. It was just really exciting to discover that music because it, the fidelity was there versus the 60s stuff. And the... Um, I, especially the early 70s stuff, they, it sounded like they spent a lot more time on them just in terms of vocals and like harmonies and stuff like that. And I think this album um, really, they really like catapulted forward with, in terms of like uh, experimenting with overdubbing um, and harmonies. They had the 16 track by this point. Uh, so they had more tracks to play with. Um also the music too the music kind of got more sophisticated because of that as well too they were able to uh, utilize that to their best uh, ability and uh yeah it's it's definitely my favorite beach boys album and uh like i mentioned to you guys before we when we started this call um this was the first cd i actually bought or i got uh for christmas 1993 when i first got a cd player that was my first cd player and my grandma bought this for me um from that same Sam the Record Man that I got the cassettes. And uh, yeah, it's just something cool that I've always held on to all these years. And uh, it's probably the only CD I have right now. So um, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, no, See, these awesome. were really expensive back then, right? Uh, they were, tw- this was about 20 bucks, I remember. Yeah, because yeah. I know that's actually why a lot of people actually say that's kind of what happened was that the CDs had gotten so expensive. That's why like Napster really was like so popular because people just got tired right. of spending like 20, 25 bucks on a CD. Um, but yeah, right. but yeah, no, you're right about the 16 track. Um, I actually have the liner notes right here. This was recorded on a special three M 16 track tape recorder supplied by Wally Hyder recording incorporated of Hollywood using two inch wide tape. One fun, one funny story about 16 track. Do you guys know the story behind Iggy pops raw power? No. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, but you know the story yeah. behind that album. So according to David Bowie, when he went to go mix it, they, all Iggy Pop did was use three tracks of a 16-track recorder. One for the vocals, I think one for the guitar, one for everything else. So Bowie had to just go in there and just kind of fiddle with it, and he did what he could. I just yeah. thought that was really funny. And that, that kind of ties just, your hands behind your back. With I, think he was tracks, high, eh? I think he was really high on coke at the time, so it's like he was just <laughs> kind of behind the music trying to do what he could, but I just thought that was like so funny. That's really interesting. I did not know that. Um, yeah, so for me, for the reason, so it's my favorite album as well, Justin. Um, and a part of the reason why for me is just like, there's so much variety on this thing. You know, right. it's, um, it's pretty, it's kind of like, I think I said this for today. Like, I feel like there's something for everyone on this album. Like if you like more upbeat, like rocking songs, you got songs like slip on through it's about time, stuff like that. Uh, if you like those like real lush, sweet, like ballads, you got forever, uh, all I want to do, our sweet love, you know. So there's just such a great variety, and and the fact that like so there's so many contributions uh, from the other members, you know. Like I've, again, yeah. so many people being casual Beach Boys fans just view the Beach Boys as like you know Brian's band, and then like there's some other guys in the group too. But it's like this album, I, I said this in my ranking, it really shows that like the other guys were a huge part of this band, and they were very talented songwriters. I mean, this is the album where Dennis really breaks through as a songwriter. 
Um, you got some great contributions from uh, Carl uh, on production. I know he also co-wrote, I think, a couple of songs on here as well. Um, but it's just a, a really great album. And I think it's a great cohesive album to just listen to all the way through. Um, it just works really well as a whole unit. So uh, it's definitely my favorite as well. Um, so I guess uh, to, to start out here, Justin, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about like the history of this album, kind of what was going on sure. within the band? Time. I know that they were coming off of a rough period. They had some, a couple of right. really rough tours. Uh, so you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, basically what was going on at this point is they were working on like a few different projects. Uh, 2020 was just finished in November of 1968. Um, then they did a few U.S. shows in the East Coast. And then they ended up doing a European tour after that. And this was uh, when the Live in London album was uh, recorded. Um, at uh, Finsbury Park and Astor Finsbury Park Astoria in London, uh, December eighth, nineteen sixty eight, and that was kind of like uh, one of the projects they were working on right now at that point, where they recorded this album. Uh, they didn't really know what to do with it. Um, then in nineteen sixty nine, the next year was like the next month, I guess you could say. Um, they started recording in Brian's home studio. Um, the first two tracks they worked on were Forever and San Miguel. Um, both of those were Dennis um, productions, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Um, and then they just started working on random tracks throughout the year, just like sporadically in between their touring. Um, and they just like took their time kind of like making this. They didn't, I don't know if they even knew what they were, if they were making another album or if, because it, if you look at the session history beforehand, usually like there's blocks of time where it's just like, okay, this album, okay, this album, okay, this album. And now you come to this point where it's just like, okay, a couple songs here, a couple songs there, a couple songs here. So it's like, did they really know what they were putting this together as kind of, so it's just right. kind of like a question. Um, so then, in February of 1969, that's when 2020 was released. So they, they had an album already out. They didn't really need to rush. Uh, they had one more album left for Capital at that point. Um, and then live in London, they started mixing it in January at Capital Studios. So the interesting thing about live in London is uh, I remember reading uh, Steve Desperat actually mentioned on one of the message boards that he didn't mix that album. Everybody thinks oh. that Steve Desper mixed that album. Um, he they actually just took a feed from his because uh, he used to mix them on the road, and they took a feed from his uh, console, and I guess it went downstairs to there was like a tape machine underneath the the venue or something or like outside in a truck or somewhere, and they just recorded it without anybody's knowledge and just uh, went off from there. So uh, it's kind of kind of shady the the backstory of that but uh it was mixed in uh capital studios in hollywood so it was meant as like a capital uh recording so they had mm -hmm. that at that point and um and they just continued working on this new album for warner brothers they had just gotten the contract with warner brothers and it was like a huge advance that they got um as long as brian was involved and uh, him and Mike went to this big signing and there's pictures and like Brian showed up in a white t-shirt and he was just kind of like out of it, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but he just kind of like smiled for the cameras or whatever. But uh, at that point, like he wasn't really in the band. He wasn't really doing too much. Um, he just kind of had like a breakdown at that point. 
where he was uh, in a mental mental institution, I believe, or mental hospital at that point mm-hmm. uh, for a short time. And uh, yeah, um, from there, um, they put together a master eventually to send to Warner Brothers. And this was in the, the spring of 1970. So this was a little bit after 2020 was released mm-hmm. or um, a little bit after. Uh, yeah, a little bit after 2020 was released and um, it was called Add Some Music. And um, so the tracks that they originally had were Susie Cincinnati, which came out on 50 big ones. Right. And what was that one released? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Wasn't that one released as a single like a couple of times or as a B-side or something? Right, that was a a B-side to add some music. So add some music was the first single that they wanted to release. Um, That was actually released like a few days after they had sent this master into uh, Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. So that they already knew like this is going to be like the the single that we're going to put off this album. So why don't we call it add some music? Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, they're saying, well, it was always called Sunflower. So it's kind of confusing the history of, like, was this album originally called Sunflower or was it called Add Some Music? So, Right. Um, yeah, so we have Susie Cincinnati. Then we have Good Time, which eventually came out on uh, Love, Love You. you. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Our Sweet Love. Uh, Tears of the Morning, which had... Uh, a vocal on it which didn't end up in the original sunflower they re-recorded the vocal after this so this was the first vocal uh when girls get together slip on through add some music to your day because that's the big single take a load off your feet from surfs up uh this whole world i just got my pay which was unreleased uh for many many years i don't, I don't know if it has it been released and it, was it on the box set? Yeah. Box it, set? It, yeah. Well, it's on, I, I mean, I think it's on Feel Flows, but I'm not sure if it's on the other one, but I think it's on there. Yeah, Feel Flow. Uh, at My Window. And then Lady, which is uh, Dennis Den- Wilson's song. So they uh, they rejected that because they thought that they could do better. Uh, Warner, Warner Brothers thought, Mo Austin thought that they could do better. And uh, he didn't hear enough Brian in it, I guess. And um yeah, so they ended up projecting that album, and then uh, they put out that single, and uh, it didn't really go anywhere. So it's like, yeah, we really call this add some music, or, or should yeah, we stick think, with our original title? Yeah, yeah, I think that was a really bad choice of single. Like, it's a good song, but I can see why it went nowhere because that was not what was on the charts at the time. Like, when did that single right. come out? Uh, that was uh, spring of nineteen seventy. Okay, yeah. so what was like what was what was topping the charts in spring of nineteen seventy? Let's go look. A lot of like harder rock stuff. I feel was very popular around that time, and I think I read somewhere, Justin. I'm sure you probably heard this somewhere too. That like they were like like DJs were saying that like oh we like the song but we're not gonna play it because like it's not like it's not I guess it wasn't hip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it looks like sad, you know. Well, yeah, I mean there was some softer rock like Bridge Over Troubled Water was a big hit. Let mm-hmm. it be, ABC. And then, of course, They Long to Be Close to You was a big hit. And then My Sweet Lord at the end of the year. But I think it was because the Beach Boys had that reputation. I really think they still had, reputation. like, after what happened with um, 
Monterey Pop. That that screwed them over for years because they were seen yeah. as like, oh my god, why would you do that? Like, why didn't you go play that? Um, also, too, I think my mic wasn't working, but um, I just wanted to mention, I I just got my pay was first released on the ninety three box set with Good Vibrations. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. That's when it yeah. first showed up. Yep. No, so you then, have. To, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, sorry. No, I, no, I was just gonna say, no, you have to wonder, like, you know, with that single choice, like choosing add some music as like a song to release as a single, like you have to wonder, like, you know, like they brought on Jack Riley for Surfs Up. You have to wonder, like, if he was involved with the band already by that point, would that have been like the first single? You know, because I just think Definitely like. Not. Definitely I just not. feel like, like, kind of what you were saying. Like, I just feel like that was a very, like, out of touch decision to choose that song. Like, I really love that song. I do, but like, I totally understand yeah. why at that point it didn't do well because the Beach Boys were not cool in the public eye. And to, you know, right. to put that to put out this song, which yeah, it's beautiful, but like that is not going to change their image, which is what they were kind of, you know, really needed to do by that time. So, right. uh, yeah, I totally get why it bombed. But go ahead, Justin. I'm I'm not sure why they they chose that single. Maybe because it's like a democratic thing, where it's just like because everybody has a line in the song kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Maybe that was why. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it ended up, ended up bombing. So the next kind of confusing thing that happens at this point is Live in London was released uh, May nineteen May nineteen seventy in the UK. So this album's already been released in in Capital, the last Capital album, or whatever. And then in June, they put together this reel of tape that's called The Last Capital Album. And that's, that's what's written on the box. And this has a bunch of different tracks that they were working on at that point. It's kind of like a compilation of things. Um, many people speculate this was like the Reverberation album or like the uh, Fading Rock Group revival was another kind of title that was just flying around there at, at this point. Um so it's kind of confusing. Like, Capital already released this live in London album. Why are they wanting another album, kind of thing? So, I think um, around this point, because something came with the contract between uh, between them and Ca and Capital, that live in London. I'm not sure. Like the way that it was released, like in the Europe, in Europe, that. Uh, it just settled the contract for them somehow mm -hmm. through capital. I'm not sure how exactly legally that would work, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what, why it was called last capital album. And it was assembled in June when it, it live London had already been released in May. So it's kind of a confusing um, it, scene of events. Yeah. No, I, I was just reading before we started recording this, actually like a couple hours ago, I was reading a little bit about that album because I don't know why it came up. But I was just reading about it. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. It sounds like the band wasn't really that involved in it. It sounds like they didn't really even know it was getting released. And like you said, right. it has a very weird like background where like, yeah, like you said, like Desper wasn't involved with it at all. Um, and yeah, it was pretty much, it kind of comes off as like, oh, okay, we checked the box. Like, okay, done with Capital. You know, like we, we did right. what we needed to do. So I think it's really, really a strange album. Doesn't that album randomly have the Lord's Prayer on it? Uh, yes. Reverber yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very yeah, like just like they just like randomly threw that on there for some reason. I think it's like the funniest <laughs> thing. Well, it was to put like tracks that hadn't been on albums before. Okay, so it's kind of like, like um, yeah. what is that Beatles album? No, what is that Beatles oh. album? Like, hey, like Hey Jude, like Hey Jude when it came out around right, that time. Right, 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 yeah, right. Maybe they were inspired by that. Who knows? Um, I don't know. No, it's but it's a last... very weird. A very sorry. It's a very weird track list. The reverberation, like Cottonfields, then. Loop loop de loop, like what the hell? 
No, I just think so the Lord's Prayer is the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so random. It's just so random. But again, it kind of comes off as like, okay, let's just release what we have in the vault or what we've recently recorded. Okay. <laughs> There's no flow to it at all. Like, if you look at the, the track <laughs> yeah. list, it's the Cotton Fields 45 uh, re-recording with Red Roads on steel, steel guitar. Uh, Loop de Loop, which was a song, one of Al's songs he was working on that on at that point, Alan Bryan. And uh, All I Want to Do, which is uh, a great song. Uh, Got to Know the Woman, which was a mono mix for some reason on this uh, tape. When Girls Get Together, which was just a track. It didn't have any vocals on it on this tape for some reason. Um, Breakaway, which was their recent single at that point. Yep. Great song. Uh, San Miguel. Breakaway is a great song, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Celebrate the News, which was a B-side. Love that, that song, point. too. Great B-side. It's never done anything for me, Celebrate the News. Really? Interesting. I love that no, song. That's all. I, I, It does nothing for me. I mean, maybe it'll grow on me eventually, but like I've listened yeah. to it a lot. Like, no. Just... Fair enough. It's like me and Do It Again has never done anything for me. Like, I was shocked when I found that was number one in the UK. I'm like, really? This? Out of all the songs <laughs> they did, this was number one in the UK? But yeah, keep going, it's Justin. Good song. Good song. <laughs> for me. So you'd celebrate the news, then you had Deirdre, and then the Lord's Prayer, which we talked about, which is in a duophonic version on this tape. Oh wow. <laughs> and then it closes with Forever. Forever is the last track on this on okay. this tape. So no, I, now I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Now this reel, like if if you were to go into the vault and look at this reel now, it's missing a bunch of these songs that are on here. Like they're written on the on the tape box. But what they did was they actually took each song out of the tape and put it on the on a new tape so like uh when they compile these these tapes to send off for cutting or whatever what they do is they mix mix it down to like another to one tape and then they'll take the tape and then splice the different songs together and that's how it works so they uh they took each each of these songs off that ended up on sunflower out of the tape and it's just the songs that didn't that didn't end up going anywhere they're on this tape so it's kind of uh a weird uh mismatch of things right now if you were to take yeah. it out right now um loop de loop ended up going on the second warner brothers album tape which we, which we'll get to in a minute uh san miguel same thing all i want to do ended up going on sunflower the sunflower master uh and deirdre ended up going on the sunflower master and forever sorry um yeah, so they ended up doing the Sunflower Master in July. So after they did the last Capital album tape, the next month they did the Sunflower Mastering. And then they sent that off to Warner Brothers. And then on August 31st, it was released, which was basically the end of the summer kind of thing. So it was a little bit too late. I think that might have had a reason uh, why it didn't end up doing so well. I think if they released that in June or maybe like May or something. It might have done a little bit better in the U.S. Just because, like the summer, um, people think of the summer when they think of the Beach Boys, right? So, right. Um, then the next day after it was released, they started putting together a second Warner Brothers LP tape, which had those tracks I mentioned before, um, and then it also had uh, Susie Cincinnati, uh, a song called "Hope Is on the Way." Oh god, that's a weird. That's a weird kind of, one. Uh, kind of an interesting <laughs> track. That was on the 1993 box set. I know that because I remember hearing mm-hmm. it for the first time. Yeah, that's on the 93 box set. Uh, 
Take the Load Off Your Feet, Carnival. That's that's a weird song, too. I Just Got My Pay, Good Time, Big Sur, the original version, uh, Lady, When Girls Get Together, Looking at Tomorrow, and a song called How Deep Is the Ocean, which is Till I Die, minus Brian's lead vocal. Okay. So that was uh, what they... I guess they just took whatever they didn't use and then just put it on this other tape, which they wanted to be like the second album or whatever. Right. So we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves right now, but I want to mention that uh, for many, many years, they thought that this tape was called landlocked or like Mm -hmm. that was kind of like the working title river, but kind of like the stuff that's come out in recent years is just like that was never really a working title that was kind of just like a maybe like a day or something or like it was just something really uh it didn't last too long so it didn't what didn't mean anything it, it wasn't really serious so um yeah and then i want to mention uh some of the other singles that were released from this album too as well so we had add some music which was the lead single and then slip on through was the second single a Dennis track uh, back with this whole world. And that was in June of June 29th, uh, 1970. And then uh, tears in the morning, which is kind of an odd choice. Uh, I wouldn't chose that either. So uh, I don't know if you've got, you guys have ever seen that picture of them performing uh, on top of the pops tears. In I've the seen morning. a picture. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I think I think the BBC wiped it because the BBC wiped so <laughs> much stuff over the decades. Like there's like, nothing exists anymore from the bbc almost from right. back then unfortunately but i wonder if they lip-synced it because i know top of the pops was usually lip-sunk on occasion yeah, was, yeah. on occasion they sung live like i know bowie sang uh, starman live which made him a big star but generally speaking i know top of the pops was lip-sunk if i remember correctly it was uh it was the backing track and then bruce did a live vocal over top. okay if well we'll never know because it doesn't exist sure, anymore yeah. <laughs> we'll never yeah, know it doesn't yeah. exist anymore yeah so and then also around this point, because I mentioned like they're working on a few different things, like they're working on this last capital, you got live in London going on, you've got Sunflower going on. And then Brian's working on this country album with Fred Vale at the time, too. Their their previous manager in the 60s. So um just a lot of a lot of recording, a lot of different projects going back and forth. Um it's really confusing. So <laughs> Yeah, can I say? Also, on top of all that, they were touring quite a bit around this time. And this was like a very low point in their touring history because like they were going to venues and like, you know, having like 200, 300 people there. Like it was like the, the fact that only a few years ago, you know, they were selling out big venues and, you know, t- thousands of people. And now they're, you know, barely even filling small, smaller venues. It's just like it shows how much they had fallen um, by this point. So but uh, obviously there was a lot going on within the band in terms of songwriting and a lot of like excitement and anticipation with the, you know, signing with the new label with Warner and everything. But uh, in terms of like the actual band itself, the touring act, it was, it was a rough period, but uh, they, they sounded good. Just, they weren't, you know, in terms of selling tickets, it wasn't very great. Popular. Yeah. Right. Right. It wasn't until Jack Riley came in that like when they did the thing with the grateful dead and everything, I would argue though, that, as low as this was, I don't think this was as bad as that Maharishi tour because that was a complete yeah. No, that was yeah, yeah. That I've read like a lot of things about that and how like audiences would be like really frustrated and pissed because it's like they the, the concerts would start out with like the Maharishi like doing a lecture I think, 
and like they'd be like what the hell like we're here for the beach boys not for this freaking like spiritual (laughs) lecture you know and uh so yeah they'd like be like throwing stuff i think i read and yeah it just sounds like it was just a complete mess and then didn't they cancel it after only like a few dates or after like a month or something they did they did and the problem was that they by the time they had even started this tour the beatles had disowned the maharishi and by that point in time nobody wanted to hear a word he had to say because the beatles (laughs) accused him of sexual assault if i'm not mistaken right it was something very serious yeah 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 which i know george harrison later apologized for that but it was too late by that point in time. And also on top of that, around this time, around like the time of like the Sunflower, like recording sessions and stuff, you had the whole deal with Manson in the in the public light, you know, where uh, that, that they, you know, they had ca- ca- caught him and the, the trial was going to start and everything. And, uh, you know, people had already kind of known that there was a Beach Boys connection there uh, because of Dennis. You know, Dennis was like, you know, uh, friends with him for a short while. And again, how close they really were. They were obviously they did some recording sessions together. I know De- Manson recorded, I think, some tracks at like Brian's home studio. And he then did. obviously the thing happened with um, Terry Melcher, where, t- you know, he kind of rejected Manson's stuff. And then Manson got pissed. And then we all know kind of what happened from there. Um, yeah. But uh, had that going on, too, which I'm sure really affected Dennis, you know. No, it definitely did. Affected. I- I'm sure some people's, you know, image of the band, you know, it was kind of like, huh, like, that's weird. Like. The Beach Boys are involved in this like really horrible thing. So, well, I know I know Dennis didn't have to testify. I know it was I think Greg mm-hmm. Jacobson testified, right? His, and Terry his friend, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think like that really like I don't think Dennis ever really recovered from that whole, you know, catastrophe. But um, yeah, no, you're right. But it's like I think it's kind of a cool trivia question in hindsight. But I could definitely see at the time why it wasn't so cool. <laughs> but um, right. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just yeah, they they there was this this was their low point for sure. Yeah, um, if you guys want, do you want to kind of do like a track by track run through of this album and just do a little discussion about each song? Do you yeah, want to start do with the, do you want to start with the main track list? Or do you want to start with some outtakes? Uh, let's start with the main track list, and okay. then if we want to get the outtakes from there, we can. I think uh, Riley said he wants to talk about the outtakes, so if he joins us, <laughs> we'll, we'll stay- okay. So um, we'll start okay. off from the top. Is slip on through. Um, right. I think that's a great song, great opener. Um, I think yeah. they sped. Did they speed that up? I think they sped that up on the final I, version I because I think, I think because I think it's yeah. a little bit lower in the other version I heard. But I think it's a great opener. I love Dennis's vocal on it, especially was like oh my love, like a big oak tree or whatever yeah. that line is. Really great song. I think it's a great opener. I think it's it's awesome. This track also has a yeah, really weird a great sound in it. I don't, I don't know, like the. I don't know if you've ever heard about the "Do It Again" story about the sound of the drums on that on that track. Because mm, uh, it sounds so, very like, um, yeah. No, I know it sounds very it's like, like a weird. Comb, comb filter, like a because it's like delays like stacked upon one another, like really short delays. Um, there's a cowbell in this in this track that has like the same thing, that really short like um, like three or four delays, like really short. Um, they give it that kind of like uh, giant. It sounds like a big giant frog or something. Like uh, <laughs> I don't know how 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 to how to describe it, but yeah, it's a really weird sound on this track. I remember hearing it when I was a kid and like, what the hell is that? You know, like. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really great track. Um, Dennis, as soon as I saw his name on on this um, this track, I looked for every song that he wrote on the next few albums and like this is gonna be a great song this is gonna be a great song before i even heard it like you know you did like look through the liner notes or whatever um and they always were they were always, were always great songs and uh yeah uh, just co- a great written with uh 
co-written with Greg Jacobson, who you mentioned a minute ago. Um, yep. We co-wrote a couple of things with, or a few things with, right? I think you co-wrote Forever with him as well. Most, yeah, um, most of the Pacific Ocean Blue album as well is written is co-written with yeah. Greg Jacobson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they first met. Yeah, I think they, I think they first met in, I want to say '63. I think um, they met um, then, and then I think Dennis invited him to when the Beach Boys played Hawaii, and that's how their friendship kicked off. Because Greg Jacobson at the time was not. I think he was like pretty poor he was like a struggling songwriter so that's really cool but i know that he didn't get that credit till fairly recently because on this and this is from 2016 i don't know if you can see it it's probably backwards but there's no greg jacobson i think he just got that credit on this song not too long ago on forever no 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 on a uh, slip on through oh okay slip on through he oh. just got the credit like in the last few years no forever he's always had the credit but slip on through he just got the credit in the last few years that's interesting okay. um also uh yeah with slip on through what you were kind of saying uh justin I, this song actually, so it took a little while to click with me completely. Um, and I think part of the reason why was because, yeah, it does kind of have a weird sound to it. It does kind of feel like it's a little off, like with the beat and everything. It is strange. But, Time uh, signature, now, yeah. Right. It's a very, it's very strange, but uh, I really love it now. Uh, I think it's a great opener. Uh, love the chorus. Love Dennis's vocal on it. Um, it's just like a really powerful song. Like for in terms of like the album opener, I think this was a great choice. Um, and I think, I think this definitely should have been in consideration as like the first single. I know it was released as a single, um, but I think it should have been in consideration. It's a really great song. And I'm pretty sure, I think you said this, um, Matt, didn't Brian say some good things about this song as well? I think Brian liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I don't know exactly what he said, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he really enjoyed it. I know he, Brian was usually pretty supportive of Dennis's efforts. But yes, mm -hmm. on a right here on the uh, Fleo Flows box, that's when Greg Jacobson got the credit. So I think, yeah, I think it's fairly recent. He just got the credit on it. Cool. All right. Uh, I guess we'll move on to This Whole World. Uh, this song was written by Brian and has a lead vocal by Carl. Uh, I personally really love this song. Uh, it's kind of a crazy song and like the amount of key changes in it. It's just really all over the place. Um, but it's a really great song. Very short. I do wish it was a little bit longer. Um, but considering that it is, you know, under two minutes, I think it packs a lot into that short amount of time. And, uh, I especially love the, um, that second section, I guess it's like the bridge section, uh, where they're like, uh, when, when girls get mad at boys and go that to me, that's the best part of the song. I love like the production on that. I love the vocals on it. Um, harmonies. And obviously that, yeah, the harmonies and then the outro of the song too. get some really cool vocals there. So, uh, yeah, I really like the song. Uh, what's, what do you guys think of it? I think it's great, and I think it really shows that Brian could write, you know, good lyrics, too, because I know oftentimes that was his weak spot, and he has a few clunky lyrics, but I think that's what kind of makes him, you know, I like people that kind of can write clunky lyrics and make it work, and I think Brian is one of them, um, but yeah, I think it's a great song, um, and, and I like, want to talk about, you said the two-minute part, I think that's honestly a lost art nowadays, because, like, back in the day, people wrote songs two, two and a half minutes, and they felt complete. Nowadays, mm -hmm. when you listen to a two-minute song, it sounds like something's missing. It's like you make it for TikTok and like half the song's gone. It's like I think we need to go back to listen to some of this old stuff and take some influence there. And we, like I said, nothing wrong with writing short songs, but they have to not sound like you said incomplete. Like like they sound incomplete. The, this sounds complete. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that that was one of Brian's thing, things. He liked to write shorter songs. Um, yeah, like uh, Jake mentioned, like. This song, the amount of key changes, the chords. I think it's the most chords in, in a Beach Boys song. Um, I really love the rock and guitars. Um, they're kind of buried in the original mix. You can kind of hear them a little bit better on the feel flows, the instrumental. Um, and the vocals at the end you mentioned. 
Uh, I wanted to mention about Brian's studio at this point. Um, he didn't actually have a reverb chamber at uh, when they originally built it in 67. By this point, he ended up getting a reverb chamber put in. Um, I believe it was uh, in the chauffeur's. The, it was like above the room or something in our little room. Um, I forget what they called it, but um, yeah, it was uh, that, that's what you're hearing on the end of end vocals, that reverb chamber. Um, yeah, so it's a really cool, uh, cool effect. Yeah. Is there was there a way to do like artificial reverb back then? I know there definitely was, but I guess I know Brian probably spring, always went for like the authentic. spring reverb. Oh, okay. that is that is that, that like it. what is that like is that like what Dave Dexter did on the beach on the Beatles albums when he added all that reverb? possibly some of it was spring some of it was chamber some of it was plate so a chamber is basically um putting a speaker in a room and then miking it like in a room kind of thing that's okay it. that's yeah. like with Spectre. That, that'd be reverb yeah yeah uh, okay plate, yeah. it's basically a big plate suspended from the ceiling and then they use like little transducers on the plate to pick up the sound Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. I was just wondering how they like, you know, when they used to take a song and drench it in reverb, like it was already finished and they drenched it in reverb. So I guess they just did that. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause yeah. now you just go into, you know, you go into pro tools or whatever and just click reverb and it's like, yeah, it's such a different world now. Yeah. They still give it like names like chamber and plate. That's where those names come from. Like the chamber is like a, like a room and then the plate is just like a metal plate. So yeah, it's really cool. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah. That is very, very cool. No, you, you were saying how like they made some uh, some changes in terms of like the studio, like adding some stuff, made some improvements. Uh, I noticed that like this album in particular, like compared to some of their previous albums, like Friends and Wild Honey, that had also been recorded, you know, at Brian's home studio. That this album sounds a lot like cleaner and more well produced to me. Like those albums, especially like Wild Honey, it sounds kind of muddy, you know. Um, that I do prefer like the uh, the more cleaned up stereo version they did on um, what's it called. Um, that's like tomorrow. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I, 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 I like more, but um, no, I, this album just sounds really well. Like it's just really well produced. It just sounds really good. So that's another reason. Which I really is funny like. because the Steve Hoffman forums always say it sounds like crap, but I don't know. I take everything they say. Like, <laughs> no, they do. They constantly say like, "Oh, this album wasn't recorded well. That album wasn't recorded well." I'm like, sounds okay to me. So, I think it's one of their best recorded albums. Uh, Stephen Desper, he did an amazing job on this album. Yeah. He yeah. kind of experimented with a lot of stereo miking techniques at this point. Um, if you read the liner notes, he kind of goes into detail about that, like the different mics that he used and stuff. But uh, in, in terms of stereo miking, that's basically, uh, say you have like a guitar, like a good acoustic guitar, you're, you're miking at one point of the guitar, and then you're miking another point of the guitar, and then you mix those two, two mics together, and then you put them across the stereo field. So it's like pan either right, left, or like anywhere in between there so it gives you kind of like more of a depth to the sound mm -hmm. and also with the vocals too the vocals were mic stereo as well too so you could have a, a mic like back like 10 feet back and then a mic closer up and then put them in different spots across the speakers right so it's it's really uh i think that's what we're hearing that it's just like a really um enveloping sound no, that's cool. No, like I don't. I wouldn't say like I like I. You know, I'm not too involved like like musically. I don't. I don't have a music background or anything. But like I've always found it interesting hearing about all that stuff, like the experimentation with placing microphones and doing different mixing stuff. So I always find that stuff fascinating hearing about it. Um, 
so the third track on this album is Add Some Music to Your Day, which, as you mentioned, Justin, was the first uh, single uh, released before this album even came out. Um, I personally love this song. I think it's a great song. It's got great vocals from pretty much everybody. I think everybody kind of has a line on here. Um, and uh, it's just a really pretty song. I really like the bridge section with Carl singing. Uh, that's probably my favorite part of the whole song. And uh, there's some really pretty harmonies after that as well. When they go like, when day is over, I close my eyes. Really love that part too. Yeah. Uh, I wish, I really wish that this single had done better. Um, like I said, I understand why it didn't, but I really do think it's a, a top-notch song. And uh, I believe was it, it was co-written by Brian, Mike, and I think somebody else. Is Joe Knott. Joe Knott. Yeah. Joe Knott. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. I like it too. I just wish I had a Dennis part. That's the only thing. It's the only thing. It's <laughs> Dennis, not in there, I think. Yeah. Dennis is not on it. Now he's probably was doing that. Yeah. No, it's a great song though, and I, I totally agree with the car part. The music when you're alone is like a companion to your lonely soul. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like how he says companion. He's like companion. <laughs> yeah. The enunciation is really cool. I like that too. Yeah. yeah no, it's a, it's yeah. a wonderful song. Wonderful tune. Mm-hmm. And the, the soulfulness to his voice in that specific section is really, uh, you can hear he's like really up on the mic, like really close and like, yeah, it's a really great, great part. And he um, had, he had a very um, angelic voice for sure. He did. Yeah. 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 And, and I think like in this album and a couple albums uh, before this as well too, like he was really coming into his own. He's kind of growing up. He was just a kid when this band started. So like he was just getting into his twenties now at this point and uh yeah just kind of like proving himself and uh that he wasn't just brian's brother in, in the band that he was actually like a musical force himself too so uh, yeah it's just it's really cool to hear uh this period of the band because it's like you mentioned before it's not just brian's band there's other talented people in this band as well too and um some of al's vocals on this uh on this track too i really like like the way the way he sounds like it's like very um uh i don't know how yeah. to describe it like he yeah i don't either just I like have a hard time the frequency the frequency yeah yeah it, he has a very distinct very voice pleasing. yeah and yeah, it, yeah it works it's very, very earnest well. yeah, right, yeah. Right, right right um all right so track number four is got to know the woman uh, i know i like this song i like okay. this song i know a lot of people do don't i do because i know a lot of no, people I do don't, but i do I do as well. Uh, I, I, for a while, it, t- it did take a while to grow on me. Um, and I do kind of understand why this song isn't a favorite of everybody, but uh, I do like it. I think it's fun. It's got kind of like a, a funkier beat to it, which is kind of unique yeah, it's like, for the it's almost like Yeah, it is. It's funky. It's like a little James Brownie. I like it because it's just kind of like Dennis is just cutting loose. You know, that's what I really like about yes. it. It's just, come on and do the chicken. You hear him laugh, yeah. which is always yeah. infectious. Also, another song that Greg Jacobson recently got a credit for back in the day was just credited to Dennis. But yeah, I really quite like it. I like kind of like the honky tonk piano that's going on in it. So I like it. A kind of a 50s vibe to it, too, as well, with the slap back delay on Dennis's voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a great rock and tune. And uh, it's a little bit something a little bit different in the album that uh, kind of sticks out. Yeah, I think one of the things I think maybe some people have an issue with on this song or something that makes it a little tough for some people to really love it is uh, like the whole gospel choir on it. That was kind of what <laughs> took a while to grow on me. Um, you know, they keep repeating, got to know the woman. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, like, yes, Dennis, we know. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I do. And I do really like this song. It's unique. It stands out in the Beach Boys discography. Um, I think it stands out in a good way. 
uh, where yeah. like other songs like like All I Want to Do on 2020, like that one I don't love particularly much. Um, but this one I think stands out in a in a good way. So I do like. I love that song, song too. Yeah, oh, do you? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not. The I like worst. it. It's I like it's, it's like punky. You know, I like the little surprise you put on the end. It's like kind of you know it's horny. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so different. It? it's different. It's different. No, I mean, I would take that over Summer of Love. You want to talk about sticking out in a bad way? Woo. Oh, that's hard. I like at this point that they were trying different things and that they were, weren't will, they were willing to experiment. And that's what made yeah. these albums so great. That they had like a bunch of different styles on them. And people who love music usually like a bunch of different styles. So it kind of gives you a variety, right? Right. Because it does. I feel it like- does. I feel like some albums, some a complaint I've read about like some albums is like, like every track sounds the same, you know, and like yeah, like ACDC. That's a common complaint. ACDC, right, like exactly. every song sounds the right. same, or like um, I've heard people say about Sean Mendes. There was a I, you got to I got to go find it. There's I know he's Canadian, but he's a nice guy. But like well, Sean Mendes has this like there's this compilation they did of Sean. They literally all the songs sound the damn same. It's like it's like he wrote the same song like well I don't know who wrote it the same song seventeen times you know the formula yeah <laughs> <laughs> stick to the formula right don't f with the formula. the formula yeah yeah all right um i guess we'll move on to the next track which is deirdre, deirdre. uh this is mo- mainly a bruce johnston composition i know brian contributed a little but it, from what bruce has said it's pretty much his song uh i really like this song uh it's my favorite of bruce's two songs on this album i do prefer it over tears in the morning uh, and this too. is actually probably my second favorite Bruce Johnson song. It's right behind Disney Girls for me. Um, I really like the melody on it. It's like almost like sickly sweet in a way, but like I think it's, it's like a little in a saccharine, good way. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Yeah. Well, like I said, I can, I can, I like the sappy stuff. I do like the sappy. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do too. I, I will too. say too, my favorite part of that song. First of all, intro is awesome. Again, it was used in Earthbound, which is awesome. But also too, <laughs> yeah. what I really love is um, the. I think my favorite part is like the, I like the. Like the bridge is really cool, and I like the tomorrow at ten. I'll wake you, and then that's like I love that part of the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good part. Um, and I just I really like Bruce's vocal on this song. I like the harmonies, like on the chorus. Um, it's just a really really nice song. And uh, I, again, I think uh, like the intro, that weird creepy intro that was used in Earthbound. I think that's kind of another example of them like experimenting, doing some like weird right. stuff, you know. So I really like that. See, I don't so think it's a too, lot of reverb on there. I don't think it's creepy by itself, but when it was used in Earthbound, they turned it into something <laughs> like really creepy. Yeah, which is cool because Earthbound uses like Beatles, uses Rick Ocasiak. Like the the um, the game developers came up with a lot of really cool samples to make the soundtrack. Hey, Riley. Hey, Riley. What's going on? Hey, Riley. We're doing uh, we're doing our run through right now of the uh, Sunflower track list. Right now, we're on Deirdre. So, do you, do you have any thoughts on Deirdre? Hell yeah, my favorite Bruce song. <laughs> uh, it's one of those songs in the album where i think it's like because uh, i mean this album gets labeled as like a big influence on that shoegaze and indie pop bedroom kind of genre and i think a lot of people point to all i want to do um i think deirdre kind of fits in there too even though bruce bruce's voice might not fit it but it's whatever and uh i really enjoy our sweet love also has that kind of sound, so. But Deirdre is my favorite Bruce song by far. Yeah, it's a great song. I love it, too. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, so I guess we'll move on to the last song on side one of Sunflower, which is It's About Time. Uh, this one was co-written by uh, Dennis, Carl, and Al Jardine. Al Jardine. Uh, and this is a really rocking song. Uh, yeah. It has a 
energy to it. Um, I think it's a very like it's it's one of those songs. I've said this before, but it's one of those songs that showed that the Beach Boys could really write like a really good rock song, you know, for that time period. Um, and I think this would have been an interesting one to see like what it could have done as a single because I think it's really yeah. energetic. I think it's fun, and uh, I I think they they did it live, and it was really great live as well. So uh, yep. this is a song that I think is. More, one of the more underrated songs in this album, I think. I don't think people necessarily point this one out as like a standout a lot, but I think it's a great song and uh, I like it a lot. So yeah, I do too. Um, also, Bob Berkman was a co-writer oh. on it, and Carl okay. also. Another, and I have yeah, I have my cross references here. Carl did not get a credit on this song until fairly recently, because mm. um, he is credited on the Feel Flows box that he is not credited on this 2016 Super Audio CD. So that's another one he just got a credit for fairly recently. But yeah, I think it's a really rocking song. Like you said, it's very raucous. I like when Carl kind of could cut loose with his rock voice, which is good. Yeah. And this, this is the one that's like, I'm singing in my heart, right? That's it's about time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my yeah. favorite part of the song, yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I've listened to this, so I, I don't remember exactly. But yeah, that's my... That's, I kind of played these out too much. <laughs> like I'm trying to like take a break from the Peach Boys because I went. there was one time I, that's all I listened to for like four, five, six months straight. So I was like, you know. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it of it? Breaks, it breaks just, down in the middle there. Um, that's a really cool part to where Mike comes in. It's about time. It's about time. I used to really love that as a kid. Like just yeah. hearing like it sounds like Mike's when you listen to it over the headphones. Like it sounds like he's in your skull. It's like that close, you know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the that. fidelity of it. Yeah, no, you know what other song has that with specifically Mike? All This Is That. When it goes into right. that, like, Golden Auras line, it's like Mike's, like, right yeah. in there. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on this song, Riley? Yeah, I, I of all of Dennis's, like, I say rockers, I think this is might be my favorite. And maybe it's just because it's on Sunflower. But I haven't actually listened to this one in a while but because I don't really listen to the Dennis's rockers too much. But... I think it's a pretty good song. I like it a lot better than All I Want to Do. And I think the other one is uh, Got to Know the Woman. So, Yeah, we, we do like Got to Know the Woman here. So. It's still a good song. I just yeah. I feel like Dennis has a lot more to offer than what I consider like a basic rocker from him. Yeah. yeah. But I, still, I still like It's About Time. And I think it, it is a pretty good closer to side one. So. Mm-hmm. No, I like my favorite part is right after that uh, part you mentioned with Mike, you know, doing the low, like it's about time. I like the part after that where it's like, I think it's Carl singing it though, like it's about time we get together to be a fan. yeah, it is yeah. I, I lo love that, such a great, and then it goes into like that rocking guitar solo right after that too. That's so good, yeah. so good. Um, all right, so I guess we'll move on to side two of Sunflower. So uh, kicking off side two, we have Tears in the Morning by Bruce Johnston. Um, I'll be honest, this song, I used to not care for it too much, um, but I recently was re-listening to this album in, like, in its entirety uh, for this podcast episode, and uh, I was like, you know, this song's better than I remember it being. Uh, it's a little, like, again, like with Bruce, it's a little, like, sappy, and uh, the yeah. lyrics are a bit dramatic, to say the least, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice song, good production on it, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice song on the album. It's not my favorite by Bruce by any means, but I like it, so... Yeah, yeah, it's solid. It's solid. It is a bit sappy. It's probably honestly my least favorite album on my least favorite song on Sunflower. Yeah. But that's kind of more just speaking to the quality of Sunflower than the lack of quality on this song. I don't know if I would have put it as the first song on side two. Yeah, I don't think that was the best choice. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. Um, but I do like the part where it's like, you know what you're damn sure of. I kind of like <laughs> that that he slipped that in there because I know like that was I think that's the, the for, it might be the first Beach Boy song that was released that has a swear in it. Not that that's a massive swear or anything. But yeah. uh we got Tipper Gore up in a, in a tizzy, right? About 10 years later. 
How many Beach Boys songs are there with like a uh, swear in it? Just out of curiosity, like not too many I could think of, right? I think there's I think, like isn't there like isn't there like one like outtake where they say the f word a bunch of times? Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the one from like '74, the Ding Dang? Uh, ding Dang. Well, that's that's uh, rolling up, rolling to, up heaven. to heaven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the funniest. That's unreleased though. That's unreleased. Yeah. We're not supposed to know about that. Now we we need that on the next box set, please. Oh, it will definitely be on the next box set. No, yeah, it won't. No, no, it won't. I guarantee. So? No, there's no way in hell. No. It, it'll be there. It'll be there. You think so? Okay. Okay. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the only songs I recorded at Caribou. So it'll be yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. That's right, true. No, yeah. I, I was just saying, yeah, in their official released catalog, that there's not too many that I could think of. They were a fairly they were a fairly clean cut band on record. Now off record, that was a completely different story, but on record they were fairly clean cut. <laughs> um what do you think of Tears in the Morning, Riley? Uh I used to really like this, kind of the opposite of you, but now I just don't care for it. Um <laughs> I don't know, maybe I feel like Part of my like feelings towards Bruce kind of bleed into it. I think it's a pretty decent song. I do not like the little breakdown it does towards the end where it starts to like lower. You like, yeah, I think you know what I mean. I'm, I can't really think of like. Are you talking about like a solo where piano? Like, where it's just the instrument? Yeah, and then and then it, doesn't it go back into the song? Am I thinking of something else? I don't yeah, know. I know the part you're talking about where it gets quiet for a minute and then oh. it goes back into it i know what you're talking about i actually like that part though that's probably like one of my favorite I, parts of this i don't know it feels extra bruce for me but i mean <laughs> but i i will say i think the production on this i mean the production on the whole album is great so i can really appreciate that and i, I mean i might not like bruce as like a member of the band i do like him as a person but not really as a member um but i do think that I do, I do like his piano work a lot, and I do appreciate that in the song. But I don't know why, for whatever reason, that just one part of the song I just don't care for at all. But I do like the song in the context of the album, but I don't go out and pick this song yeah. and be like, I want to listen to Tears yeah. in the Morning. Tears in the Morning, right. <laughs> Hell no. Something, yeah. something interesting I read about this song, I guess, so like this was one of the songs that was in the live set list for a little bit around this time, like around 1970-ish. Yep. And I was reading one review from like a concert in the the book i have the beach boys in concert and he said the reviewer said something like after so i guess bruce like would perform the song by himself he would just go up there at the piano play the song and the other members would kind of like step off you know and i guess like the reviewer said something like you know the crowd loved the performance but like if you saw the faces the other members were making at bruce you'd think he was about to get like kicked out of the band or something or they said something like he's in the doghouse and i was like why are the other members annoyed about it like i don't know like just yeah. like bruce had the moment you know <laughs> yeah. i like it a lot better when he does disney girls that's mm -hmm. that I feel like that works works for that song but yeah i hate his voice on this song i just hate it <laughs> you know i said before his voice is very like i think i compared it one time to davy jones on the monkeys where it's like very like that and it's like it works on some songs but other songs it's just too it's too right. theatrical it's like the same problem i have with like some davy jones songs on the monkeys like some songs great other songs it's like I, yeah, I do like, much, it, like yeah. Disney Girls. I feel like it works. Um, does does he sing lead on Deirdre? I feel like he does. Yes, he does. Yep. Yeah, yeah. His so song. it works for that. Those two for me, because those are like my two favorite, and I guess really the only two Bruce songs I really care for. But other than that, also I will say I, I do like his vocal part on God Only Knows and California Girls, but those are oh, not on sure. Sunflower. So yeah, don't really care for that right now. I would say it would be really interesting to hear the original vocal for this because I mentioned before the uh, Add Some Music had the original vocal when they submitted that. 
and then they redid the vocal after. So it'd be interesting to hear what the first one sounded like. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. If it exists still. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the second song on side two. And this is a song that I know is a fan favorite on this album. It, it's my favorite song on the album. And it's one of my favorite Beach Boys songs ever. It's uh, All I Want to Do. Uh, this song was written by Brian and Mike. And uh, I believe this song originated around like 69, because I think, or 68, because I think there's a version 69. of it. Well, of the, it the back and check was, of course, 69. Okay. But I think there's yeah. a version of it on the 2020 sessions, I think, which sounds like a bit different. Um, it's got like different production on it. Um, but this final version that ended up on Sunflower is just like sublime. I mean, the production on it is incredible. It sounds yeah. really modern, really like dream pop sounding. Uh, and it's just a beautiful song. Mike's vocal on this is so good. Uh, I mentioned it on a, a previous episode where I, when I saw Mike and Bruce live in Chicago last year, I had the chance to talk to Mike for like a second while he was signing my Sunflower album. And I said to him, I love your vocal on uh, all I want to do on this album. And he said, thanks. So uh, I thought that was really cool. And uh, yeah, this is just a, a really beautiful song. And one of the first deeper cuts by the Beach Boys that I really got into where I was like, wow, like this is amazing. How have I never heard this before? So it's a favorite of mine. Yeah, and also uh, one of Mike. So I know we like to clown on Mike, but when he writes great lyrics, he can write great lyrics, and this is one example. And my favorite part of this song is probably yeah. like the "My love is burning brightly." That part, that's like the "All I wanna do." Da, 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 da. Yeah, I, but I love the production. Like you said, very modern. Great job, Carl. Amazing, amazing job producing the thing. Yeah, it's like, and I think I know Riley. You you love like the you call it like the three song suite, right? Yeah, so. Yes, I I did have this is my fifth favorite Beach Boys song. I mentioned that in the list ranking. Um, I I I don't know if I mentioned like the little guitar part that dun dun dun. Yeah. that's that's a guitar. It's really, yep, it's a very yeah. it's a brilliant use of the guitar because I mean, the later you get into the Beach Boys period or albums, the less guitar focus there is on them. But I I really love the the use of it on this song. I mean, especially as a guitar player. I mean, like. That is very influential on the shoegaze genre and the dream pop genre, whether you really like know it or not. So I do, I do really like the guitar part. Brilliant production, brilliant song all around. I, I I've talked about it before though. So, what do you think of this one, Justin? Yeah, like Riley said, the guitar, um, the reverb on the guitar. You're hearing the chamber reverb, like I mentioned. Uh, Brian just got that installed in the studio at this point. Um, there's a little bit of tape delay going on between all the different instruments. It's kind of like a very dreamy, ethereal kind of sound. Uh, this is one of my favorite tracks when I first heard the album. Uh, it's like you like you said, uh, Jake. It was really modern sounding even when I first heard it in the '90s. Um, yeah, it was just a great, great track. And I want to mention because you mentioned uh, when you saw Mike, you told him that you loved his vocal on this song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I met when I met the band in '92 after. I saw them. Um, I actually mentioned this album to them that it was my favorite album at the time because I had just bought it at that at this point. And mm -hmm. uh, they were all like blown away. They were like, whoa, like I haven't heard about that album in years. <laughs> Love that. That's awesome. I never just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's, and I will say too, I know. I know I've, I've talked about I have my love hate relationship with pop heads, but somebody actually did write a very good write up of the history of dream pop. And they did talk lovingly about this song. I had to correct them though, because they said it was by it was produced by Phil Spector. So I did have to correct them. But other than that, no, I'm just saying. Other than that, it was a great write up. They also mentioned Wawa. I know we've talked about Wawa before. Yeah. 
No, I th- um, what you were saying too uh, with Mike's lyrics, like he, some great lines on this, just the whole song in general, the lyrics are great. I think my favorite line is towards the end, uh, let these little words of love become the lamps that light your way. I really love that lyric, really b- sweet lyric. And uh, just just a great song. Everything about this song I love. I mean, the lyrics, the production, the the sound. Uh, I find it interesting that I think Brian said something along the lines of, I think it was in a more recent interview with him, but he said like, He's like, yeah, it's like an okay song. Like, I felt it could have been better. I think he said something like he thought it was kind of boring or something. Where it's like, I'm boring. Like, That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. right. And I'm kind of like, I'm like, man, I think this song is beautiful. Like the chord changes. I love like, yeah. the way yeah. it fits into the different parts. Like, how can you say this is boring? I mean, well, I think boring. I think it's I think it's very common for artists to kind of look back at something and say, oh, why did I do that? Why can't I fix that? Like, I mean, Brian, you know, also Chomp, hated yeah. "Let Him Run Wild." John Lennon hated And Your Bird Can Sing. He said it Everything. was about nothing. But most people think that's like one of his best songs he ever wrote. So a lot of artists yeah. are like that, you know? Yeah. Right. This was um, a long, one song I did show my... I think I told you this. I showed my friend this and like I, as he's not a big like classic rock or any like 70s, 60s music fan. But he listened to this and he said, I really love this song. And I do know that he listens to it a lot. He's like, oh, he turned me on to this. I love it. So... Even though like yeah. he like the Beach Boys, this is one song he does like, and I think this is a very modern sounding song. So, yeah, I had a similar experience with a, a friend recently where I I made him a little playlist of like songs to check out. I think I mostly focused on like some of the lo-fi stuff from like Friends and and uh, a couple tracks from Wild Honey maybe too. Um, but I also threw on a few Sunflower songs, and this is one of the songs I threw on. And one of the things he said when he texted me after listening, he said. All I want to do sounded like so modern, and I'm like, "Yep, like that's what everyone says about it." So, you know, I'm glad you noticed that. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great song, definitely a favorite yeah. of mine from just the whole Beach Boys discography. I mean, for the '70s, this is probably my favorite Beach Boys song. Um, but for the six, well, Disney Girls is up there. But for for the in terms of like the whole discography, definitely a favorite of mine. Um, the next song. On, on sunflower after all i want to do is another just gorgeous song by dennis yeah uh forever uh this is just a beautiful ballad this is my personal favorite dennis song i think it's just timeless uh, i think like you said matt it's like the uh the wedding song that that never was you know yep. it's just so it beautiful, something beautiful, beautiful lyrics beautiful production uh the harmonies on this song are just amazing uh on feel flows when they release like you know like the backing track where they took out i think dennis's lead but you can hear like the backing harmonies i was like wow this is like so just amazing and uh this is just a timeless song uh this is right up there with all i want to do is my favorite song in the album it's definitely between those two so yeah i love it i think we all talked about forever like for like 15 minutes each on the album or a song <laughs> yeah i i, I the I, first I, one yeah. yeah i feel like a lot of us want to talk We've all kind of set our piece on it, though, haven't we? Like, we can go on and on. For the most part, I just want to say one last thing. Let's just, the John Stamos version. I appreciate that he brought attention to it because it's obviously a really good deep cut. And I agree that the version he sang on Full House Does His Piano was nice. But then the final version on that, Summer in Paradise, is like slick, adult contemporary, just kind of sucks everything what makes the song good out of it. You know, it's just like, it's too slick. It's too processed turns it into almost like a Richard Marks song. And I like Richard Marks, but it's kind of what it turned it into. You know, it's just like, eh, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan. Yeah, yeah Jake and I talked about that in our uh, album ranking one. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I, I listened to that version, 
literally like it took like th- two seconds for me to hate it like as soon as that guitar came in like that down i'm just like yep i hate this and then you know john's vocal comes in i'm just like what is this like oh my god i hate it and then yeah and uh, i don't like him as a person either so like that kind of makes the song yeah. worse because i found yeah. out i'm not gonna talk about it now but i found out some skeezy things about him so that's like you know that made me feel even worse about it yeah, yeah. although i mean i I wonder, like, what if we didn't, what if that wasn't forever and it was just a completely different song? What would we think of it? If it was, like, a completely different song, I probably wouldn't mind it so much. Because, like I said, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, those slick adult contemporary ballads, like, by Richard Marks and Brian Adams that were really big on time. And I like those songs. Like, I love Right Here Waiting. I love Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Unironically, I love those songs. So I like that style of music. It's just that because it's forever, for me, it's like, you took something that was so beautiful and you kind of stripped everything that made it so great. That's my problem with it. That's that's exactly my problem with it, too. If it was some random other song, I mean, look, if, if it was John Stamos singing, I probably wouldn't care for it. Um, and if it has that Summer in Paradise production, I probably won't, wouldn't care for it either. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, my issue with it is the fact that it's taking one of my favorite Beach Boys songs, one of the most beautiful songs that Dennis ever wrote, one of the most beautiful songs ever, in my opinion, and turning it into this glam power ballad thing. And I'm just, I just, it didn't need to happen. Um, I get that like John Stamos, you know, played a role in like kind of the Beach Boys, like staying relevant in the 90s, you know, with the appearance on Full House and everything like I get that. But like, I don't know. It's just something about this song that's always just rubbed me the wrong way. And I, sick, I like right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like the version which has the piano, though, on the episode where you got married? That one is nice oh, yeah. with the choir and everything like that. If it if that had been on the CD, I think that would have been better. That's what but I've the, been saying. But the version I mean, that they put on there was just no. Yeah, I um, I know. Quick, quickly before we get to the next point or next song, um, I, you guys mentioned the wedding song that never was. I feel like Forever is the wedding song that was. Nobody ever talks about Only with You though from Holland. <laughs> Nobody. That's uh, a good one too, but that one seems to be kind of polarizing because there's quite a few people on the sub that don't care for it. We could talk about Holland. I could talk about Holland. <laughs> we'll, we'll, worry, do we'll, Holland. we'll do we'll do an episode on Holland, right? We yeah. def- no, we definitely will. We definitely will. Hell yeah. All right, so we'll move to the next song. I guess it's in Riley's three-song suite here on side two. This is the third part, and uh, this is another really beautiful song uh, written by Brian and I believe Carl co-wrote hey, it as well. And, and Al, and, and Al. Al, yeah. I don't want to leave out Al, yeah. Uh, Our sweet love. Um, this is a really gorgeous song. Uh, beautiful vocal. Um, kind of a, like a simple sounding song, you know. It's it's mostly just like a short verse, and then it goes into the chorus. But it's just a, a really pretty song. Uh, this is another song where, like, Carl's vocal is just so, like, angelic. It really elevates the song to another level. Um, and I just, I love this song. Uh, I will say, like, I don't think it's quite as strong as All I Want to Do in Forever, but, like, it's right up there. It's definitely, like, it's probably in my probably in my top five for the album. So I like it a lot. Yeah. I love I the way the um, piano, or, or, sorry to cut you off, but, like, the piano, the organy, that sounds great. Like, how, how it's produced. Yes, yes. I kind of see these, I mean, I've mentioned a lot, I see these songs as a three-song suite. I will agree, like, the first one is kind of like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, where, like, the first, well, not Indiana Jones, Star Wars, where it's like, we got a new hope with All I Want to Do, and then Empire Strikes Back with Forever. And then, like, the third one's, like, not as good as the others, but it's still pretty strong. It's like Return of the Jedi. I don't know, maybe that's just me. But I I feel like like this one, All I Want to Do and Forever, all, like, very influential and very, like, proto dream pop proto shoegaze kind of stuff but i mean i still give this one props i really love the chorus and i love the won't last forever like that part is awesome i i, I love yeah. this song 
I read that this song um, originated, maybe. Can you confirm this, Justin? I think it originated yeah, from like a Friends. friends song. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Like, but, but I think I listened to the Friends one. I didn't really hear it in it. So I don't it's, really. It's a little bit different. It was called Our Happy Home. Uh, okay. I, I remember. Yeah, I listened to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different. It changed around a bit. Uh, Carl basically took it over from Brian, the song. Brian started mm-hmm. it, and then Carl kind of finished it. Uh, yeah, it's just a really pretty song. It's got kind of a, a really unique percussion sound in it, uh, like that sound, like in it. That's actually like a key ring. They put like a key ring in front of the front of the mic and just with keys. That's the percussion. See, I sound think that it, that's something we've we've lost nowadays because everything now is just on the computer. Like people don't do that clever stuff anymore when they write so- yeah. when they perform songs. I feel. Yeah. You just get the that you was, just get your little Brian MIDI keyboard out. Just... That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also read some people have compared this song to God Only Knows, uh, which I, in terms of like the sound of it, which I actually do kind of hear that a little bit. Yeah, um, I do. I like, do. Obviously, obviously, like I prefer God Only Knows, but oh, it's a course. really it's still, I, do, I do hear that comparison though for sure. So no, it's a good it's a good song. It's a good song, and uh, I noticed that this is one. Just again, my feel flows here. Brian, Carl, Al, and Bruce all produced it, so I had a lot of hands on it. Yeah, that's another interesting thing about this album. A lot of people involved in the production. You know, yeah. uh, you got Carl involved in a lot of this. Obviously, Steve, uh, Stephen Desper. A lot of people involved with the production, yeah. which is pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. I, I all right. Uh, we'll move on to At My Window. Uh, this is an uh, interesting song. It has uh, Al Jardine and Brian Wilson as the, the co-writers on it. I know it was borrowed from another song, I believe, The Melody, which is kind of a trend with Al's songs. Peace and Trio. Yeah, raspberry yep, strawberry thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I have to say, I, I, I know some people, this isn't like a standout on the album, but I do really like this song. Uh, I really like the harmonies on it. I like the the production. Uh, I, I really love like Bruce's parts on this song, especially. I think he sounds particularly good on here. Uh, I like that like cool, I think it's like that, that cool chord or, or key change at the end where it's like, he came to my window. He came. I really like that part at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just, yeah, there's just some really cool harmonies on this song, and it's just really well-produced, so uh, I, I like it a lot. So I just hate the French that Brian attempts to do. It is so <laughs> bad. Yeah, I was, thought it was like That was Spanish Alan asked him to do that. I thought that was Spanish at first, right? I'm like, what is this? It is so bad. It's funny almost how bad it is. It's kind of like, um, what's that song by the Beatles, Sun King? Where like they kind of like oh, they merged yeah, like, yeah. Which, yeah. That, like that was like a merger of like Spanish and French, right? It was like it was like almost like they made yeah, up their own yeah, language. Yeah. It kind of first time I heard it, it made me think of that like Sun King by the Beatles, you know, where it's like <laughs> Cuando para mí. So like, but that actually sounded better. But other than that, yeah, it's a great song. I just don't like that French. It's just so so. It's like we owe an apology to the French on that one. <laughs> what do you guys? What do you think of it, uh, Justin? I think it's a great track. I really like that it sounds really unique. Um, Bruce's vocal is very great at it. Um, I think Al did a great job because it was mainly his baby, this track, um, from what I've read anyways. And uh, yeah, everybody's on it. Brian's there. He's doing the French. And yeah, I think it's a great track. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, it, is tech, it is just produced by Al, according to the uh, Feel Flow set. So mm-hmm. yeah, it would definitely was Al's baby, which you could also probably tell because of the composition. It's Kingston Trio, obviously. He you know worshipped the Kingston Trio. Yeah, I also like uh, I like like the little sound effects on here, like with the bird sounds, you know. Yeah, then, like, yeah I like the bird. I like the bird after, part. Yeah. After the line about like the sparrow, it's like, Pew! I, I like that a lot too. There's some real cool effects on, on this song, so I like that. Yeah, I wonder if that was um, stock or if they actually like recorded a bird for it. No, they they recorded 
stuff for it. Oh, they really? always oh, recorded really? stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. They always okay. recorded stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I know some artists would just go like they used to like sell like you could get like stock stuff and you could just splice it in. Like I know Prince used to do that a lot, but that's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. Desper was he was crazy with that kind of stuff. Like he, anytime they want to record certain things like that, he would be up for it. If I if I remember right, um, you were saying that like with the stock sounds, I'm pretty sure I read that like so like I'm like Caroline No from Pet Sounds, like the train at the end. I read that that is a stock sound, I believe that they. Like, I don't think they actually record. I that. yeah, I doubt Are they working? actually. I know they did that with um, what was it, 409? They took the thing and they just drove the car yes. past it. They, yeah, did the car, with, yeah, yeah. they did the same thing with. Um, have you ever heard the, the original version of Sur of Surfer Moon, the one that was like the Bob Norberg version, Bob and Sherry? Yeah. So like what 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 Brian what Brian did to get those crickets is he took I don't remember who it was some girl and he stuck her and she like took the mic to get the crickets like actually like out at night so he could put it on there like that's that was like oh, she wow. actually like he held her legs as she cut the mic I thought it was like really funny Wow uh, Riley, Riley I don't think you what do you think of this song at my window I don't really care for it I'm <laughs> That's all right. I don't want to be that guy, but I uh, like even I I return to it's about time with the album, and I'll return to even tears in the morning. But I don't know. I I I don't really I don't think I've ever listened to this maybe since last time I really listened to Sunflower a couple months ago. But even then, it's like I've only listened to this like three or four times actually. Mm -hmm. I just don't really care for it. I I appreciate it, and I suppose like if I'm just doing like a full album listen, I'll do it. But I just. I don't know, maybe in this like early 70s period, this might be the one song I just never really go back to. I, I think this song works better in the context of the whole album than it does. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a separate I song. like it before... Um, hold on, I'm looking at my copy of Sunflower right here. Um, I like it in the, like right before Cool Cool Water. I actually feel like these kind of go together pretty good, but I just... I I honestly, I would say like, I feel like not every song, but I feel like a lot of the Beach Boys, like 70s songs do work better in the context of the albums. Like there are a few that I think do work really great regardless. Like all I want to do, I can put that on whenever, you know, yeah, I'll love yeah, it forever. Yeah. Same thing. Um, there's songs from like Surf's Up that I think work fine on their own. But like, yeah, there's certain tracks where it's like, I might also like them outside of the album, but like they don't have that same effect, you know, or like, I feel right. like they work better as a whole as part of the album so but that yeah, maybe that's but yeah it's also because by this point in time they become more albums artists whereas like in the early 60s obviously right. the single was king so it made sense that you could kind of slice and dice everything up but yeah no um yes yeah, honestly it's probably like one of my lesser ones on here but it's still it's still pretty good yeah yeah no i feel like like you know i know riley you love like the california saga from uh from holland like that's kind of another example of that where like i feel like you got to listen to it as a whole you know, like if you just listen to like one part on its own, like I guess like the first part with Mike, you know, the um, big, big sir, sir like that probably works okay. But like and the poem does not work by itself. The poem <laughs> well, has, <laughs> no, because you take the, I don't think it does. I'm gonna make face at me, but I think no, the, take yeah. the poem out of context and it's like the most pretentious thing they've ever done. Yeah, I, I I love the California saga. Like I said, I think it's my second favorite Beach Boys song. But like I, I also like have my own version that I edited together. So it is one song. And yeah. I, I actually like the poem and stuff, but I've never listened to Beaks of Eagles on its own. It's also kind of like the Abbey Road medley, like where parts of it work better as the medley, because like by itself, some of it just doesn't really work. Yeah. yeah. Right. Although like, I, right. I do Especially like, like, the, the like the shorter like Lennon songs in there. Those definitely work. Only work. I feel like with the like, like, Mean, Mr. Fam. like or Mean Mr. Mean Musters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever actually listened to the version where they stuck Her Majesty back in there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think. Yeah, I've heard that. 
Yeah, yeah, so they did a version because Her Majesty was supposed to be after Mean Mr. Mustard. So I think they put one on the new Abbey Road box. I know it's definitely on YouTube where they stuck it back in there. Oh, because, so, like, no, I don't think I have heard that. That's it. I'm going to yeah, have to look that up. Yeah, because originally Her Majesty was supposed to be after Mean Mr. Mustard, but then Paul McCartney said, take it out, throw it away, and then they stuck it on the end as a surprise. And he's like, typical Beatles, an accident, you know? Wow. <laughs> it's called The Long One. It's on YouTube. I've listened to it actually a bunch of times. So. Yeah, but I know I know John Lennon himself was at the time not happy with him. His he wanted his whole songs on one side of the LP by itself. He just didn't want any yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, but that's a whole other story. That's you know that's Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for another day. Yeah, we'll we'll have we'll definitely do some sort of Beatles episode eventually for sure. <laughs> um, we have to. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're on to the final song on Sunflower, oh. the last song on side two, and this is a song that originated from the uh, the Smile sessions, uh, and it's Cool Cool Water. Uh, this is a really kind of trippy sounding song. It's it's very cool. It's got like a chill vibe to it. Uh, it's got multiple parts. It opens with like this real cool part with like some harmonies from the guys. Uh, and then it transitions into a more catchier melody part. I can't really describe it, but I like it a lot. I like the vocals on it. And, the vocal uh, effects and, are really and, cool. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the sound effects in general of like the water and everything. Like I think I read somebody said stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody said something like, this song makes me want to drink water. Like, it makes me thirsty. And, like, I actually, I, I feel that. Like, I really do. Like, I, it does kind of give you that feeling. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, there's that fun ending with, like, the lines from Mike, like, uh, cool, cool water is such a gas. Yeah, yeah I love I will that. say, this one, this one was a grower for me because I didn't care for it as yep, much at first. But same. over time, it's grown yep. on me. Yeah, so exact same here. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of interesting hearing like the original version from the smile sessions, but what's it love to say Dada yep. or dad. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear that. Cause like, you can totally hear like the origins of the song just in like a different style kind of. And then, right. yeah, you see what they did with it on sunflower, adding in all those cool water effects, which I'm pretty sure I read they recorded those as well. Right. They went mm -hmm. out to like different like streams and creeks and stuff and recorded that. So that's really yeah. cool. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I like the song a lot now. So. Like, yeah. Yeah. Does I, this song... I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you can go ahead. I don't care. I was going to say, does this song have the pouring... Does this one have the pouring of water? Am I thinking of vegetables? The pouring of water? Oh, I'm vegetables. Thinking of vegetables. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, vegetables, I'm thinking of vegetables. It's like the yeah, sound yeah. of the pouring. pouring yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really... Yeah. No, I was just yeah. thinking of that. That's a really cool sound effect. That would fit on here, too. But yeah, you can go ahead, Riley. No, I was just gonna say I, I like this one. I actually didn't like it at first, and then I listened to Smile for in its entirety, or at least the Smile sessions in its entirety. And then I, I was like, this sounds familiar. And then I like it just finally hit me like, oh my god, they use this for Sunflower. And then I I really enjoyed that part of Smile, especially since I feel like Smile in its unfinished state on the Smile sessions. I get to learn. I, I learned to really appreciate a lot of the production and the music on it. And then I listened to the song here on Sunflower, and I've actually I love it now. I love it. Um, I like the cool, cool. Well, like there's a bunch of like vocal that vocal part where it's really, like really catchy, like Jake said. I really enjoy that part. I think the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah it's just a really cool sounding song, and no, I, it definitely was a grower for me as well. Uh, I think my issue with it initially was that I just felt like it went on a little too long. Where I was kind of like, I was like, okay, so the different like, sections, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of yeah. like, okay, let's let's get into the song now, and I just feel like it just kept kind of going. But uh, I do like it now. Uh, it definitely, I feel like it, it does stand out a bit on the album, but I think in like a unique way, where like it's kind of like a, a cool yeah. way to close it. I do think that this song, it was a, a good decision to put it at the end, 
rather than in like the middle. I think that would have been a little strange to have it in the middle or even as like an opener to one of the sides. I think it would be a little odd, but as a closer, I think it works pretty well. I am. I I actually disagree. I don't think it's a good closer. I think it would have been a killer opener to side two. Um, oh, really? I, I mean, I'm, I think it should have went a uh, cool, cool water as the opener and then just shoot everything else down. And I think if you close on actually, no, no, no. Cool, cool water at my window, then tears in the morning and then the awesome three song suite. But hmm. that's my opinion. Yeah, that would, no, that would be interesting. No, it, it's always fun. Like, you know, like kind of like making your own track list for some of these albums. I know people are like obsessed with that where it's like, here's my version of, you know, of how this should have been arranged, how smile should have been arranged. It's always kind of fun to see, like compare, you know, it's always yeah. interesting. Yeah. Cause there, there are some albums, let me tell you, not necessarily beach boys, but there are some albums that have great songs. And then you look at this track sequencing and it's like, what the hell were these people smoking when they put this, this album together? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, I just want to say one quick thing about sequencing the, you, the international version I know has cotton fields at the beginning. And if I'm not the mistaken, were, weren't two songs swapped around on like one version? No, uh, the, the UK version had cotton fields at the beginning. That was the only difference. Was it? I, I feel like yeah. there was one version that had a, that it was swapped. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm going to Google that. Be- yeah, you Google that. <laughs> All right, yeah, like, like, kind of bring us into our next thing. I, th- I think we're going to talk about a lot of the um, material that wasn't released at this time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 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 Well, let me get that set up. Yeah, you want to get that list up? I got some of it written down myself, <laughs> but I don't know if my list Okay, is my co- okay. I found it. So on the UK version, Deirdre and God's Know the Woman were swapped. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. On the UK version, they oh. did swap the two. And then they and stuck... Wait. Cotton fields at the start, which is and it was a dual. It was a dual phonic version of the forty. It was the dual phonic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it used to have the pressing. Yeah, it it sounded like shit, right? The version sounded like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. It sounded like shit. Uh, Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's so weird though. You know, like imagining sunflower opening with like cotton fields. Like what the hell? Oh man, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, because it was a big hit. I think they thought a it was a big hit in the UK. Slap it on there. We'll sell more copies. That's probably how they thought. Right, but I feel like that was put it, put, Yeah, yeah, put it at the yeah. end or something. I don't know. Mm. So what about uh, Breakaway? I love oh, Breakaway. Breakaway I love, I love, was was uh, released like right before Sunflower. I think it was second to last cap in '69. Second to last Capital single. Yep. Yep. And then that that I I love it. Oh my god. I love it. I always want to know though. I know Brian claimed it was inspired by the Monkees. Do we know what Monkey song it was inspired by? Uh, or, I thought Murray helped him write this one. No, yeah, I know yeah. he did, but but, uh, but Brian has said it was inspired by the monkeys. I don't know if he was just saying stuff or if there's actually a monkey. I think by. that was more of just like a general statement, but I do okay. kind. I, I I do kind of hear it. It, it kind of I hear it too. a little bit. Uh, like it, it does sound thing. kind of unique for sure. Um, yeah, it is interesting that Brian Murray has a co-credit on it. it was isn't it like Reggie, Reggie Dunbar? Dunbar? Reggie Dunbar. Yeah, Reggie Dunbar. I, I think that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a great, it's a great, great single. Uh, the fact that this single didn't do much to me, that kind of really shows like yes. how, like where the beach boys were at, like commercially at that time. Cause like, I think this is a great song. Like I really do. Yeah. I think it should have been like a much bigger, way better than it should, than it did. What didn't it chart like in the U S like 70 or something terrible like that? It something wasn't good. Like I don't know about it. Did good it did good in the UK though. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to the flip side. I love celebrate the news. I know 
You're not a big fan of it, but I love celebrate no. the news. I think it's very fitting. It's like, you know, we're getting, we're living in capital. You know, my luck was so bad. Wonderful. Song. Yeah. 63, 63. So I try to, I love celebrate the news personally. How do you feel about it? Riley and, uh, uh, Justin. Yeah. Either way, either yeah. way. Really? <laughs> I love it. Board. I love yeah. it. I, I love that song. I guess I'm the only one that's a fan it's of it. Definitely well, I love a, celebrate the news. Good B side. It's a good B side. I, I, I think the lyrics are more interesting than the actual song to me. Like, like I guess the part I guess the part I like the most is like the part where they're like, "There's been a change," or I kind of like that part. But like besides yeah, yeah. that, like the like the verse melody part doesn't really do much for me. I don't know. To me, like it, it's fine as a B side, but like I get why this wasn't like considered. It's, as It like, sounds like it, a B side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I know like some artists have those B sides that are like, "Holy shit!" This is like like the Beatles, of course. Oasis, I know, is famous for their B sides. Prince had some oh, amazing yeah. B sides. Great B-sides, yeah. Prince had some yeah. amazing B-sides, like, uh, have you heard Erotic City? That's a great song. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great that's song. A great, yeah. That's a great song. But yeah, um, I want to give a shout out to, let's see, what are some songs? Um, 45 version of Cotton Fields. Let's talk about that briefly. I know, Justin, you prefer yeah. the album version. I personally think yeah. the 45 version is much better. I think Al did a great job bringing in Red Roads. You know, he brought in one of the pioneers of country rock. He was doing great stuff with Michael Nesmith and the first national band at the time. Yep. I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Justin, could you uh, talk a little bit more about that? Because we were talking about, me and Riley were talking about how we thought that was like the hottest take of that first episode, that you preferred the uh, the album oh, version yeah. of I'm curious, like what, what is it about it that you, li- that you really like, just out of curiosity? Brian's production. It's very okay. like spare, very sparse. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just like it. It's, it's kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, do you, yeah, like, do you like... Do you like the like? Do you like the single version? The single version is okay, but I prefer the album version. Just, the sound that's is so just okay. So interesting! <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Well, I will say, I will say, I, I feel like Riley has you has comp- you have competition from Riley because he prefers the <laughs> Help Me Ronda from today. So yeah, hell yeah. So I one that fades out and fades back in, right? Yeah, I was like, I thought, yeah, I thought my CD was song. broken. Oh my god, it's back on! I thought my CD was broken the first time I played that. I was like, I just spent thirty dollars <laughs> on the CD. Is it broken? And then I w- I pulled it up on Apple Music. I'm like, no, it's supposed to sound like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's always been confusing to me why you know why it why they decided to do that, but whatever. It sounds underproduced on summer days. I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, really? You cool. think so? No, no, yeah. it do- no, it doesn't. That was the person <laughs> that hit number one. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't care. It's, a, it's one of my favorite songs by the band, at least, especially in that era, that time. But like, I don't, I'll listen to both versions, and I'll be happy with both yeah. versions. But if I'm gonna pick my version, I'm picking today. That's how I feel about uh, Cottonfields too. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, I will say if it's a good enough song, I don't care which version, as long as they're playing the song. True. Yeah. Um. True. Let's look at some. Of, I'm just looking at feel flows here. So we have loop de loop. Oh, yeah, what, yeah. what, oh, what do we think about that song? That's a cool never, song. Yeah, I don't, it's never done anything for me whatsoever. Interesting. Never. I quite like you know, it. Um, I, do you know the Christmas version of it? Yeah. Yes, and it's got an airplane. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty funky. That, that's, I don't know, like, that, that's that's one of those songs I feel like that like totally like shows why I feel like that decision to reject that album was justified. Like, well, no. there are like, some good songs on it. Like the Dennis song is beautiful. What is it? Uh, morning, morning Christmas. 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 That's yeah. beautiful. I like the I like the Brian one too, Winter Symphony. But then you're right, yeah, like, like Bells of yeah. Bells of Paris or whatever it's called Bells on there. Of Christmas. Bells, Bells, Bells of Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yes. like that. Jake that, and weird, that weird Hawaiian one. I don't like either. So don't get you started on MIU, dude. 
<laughs> Jake will throw hands about MIU. No, I like no, I, okay. MIU, I just don't like I don't like I don't love MIU. I like MIU. Like I will defend it, but like I get why people don't like it. That's yeah. my parts of it are just so boring. Like Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like a sleeping uh, pill almost. But yeah, I, I quite like Loop de Loop. Okay, then we have San Miguel. I quite like San Bob Miguel. Oh, San Miguel. Oh my god. I really enjoyed that song. It's very like Mexican-y. Yeah. It's very like it's like I like it a lot. It's a very yeah. fun song. Great vocal from Carl. Great vocal from yeah. Carl. Yep. Great, great that job. Was, Dennis produced it. That was one of like the besides um Big Sur, but I mean I love Big Sur. And I love the oh. that's that's more surfs up time. That's like yeah. next yep. year. Yep. But um I, I really love Sam Miguel. Those two were like I remember when I was first getting into the band, like that was when Feel Flows was released actually, I think. And uh no, maybe like a year after when I got into them. But I was like, oh no, what's th- what's this? And I just assumed like it was just whatever. And then I put it on, like, holy crap, this is awesome. I love the little um clicking sounds it makes. Cast the, nets, the, yeah. Cast nets, yeah. That d- d- yeah. started out today. Yeah, it's a great way to open the track. I actually first heard it on the Good Vibrations set because I think that's where it first showed up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I really. Years I, of Harmony. It was, it was the first one. Oh, it was on Ten Years of Harmony too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're right. I didn't get that till later on though. But yeah, the first time I heard it was on the Good Vibrations. But yeah, you're right. Oh, that's a really cool song. Um, Susie Cincinnati. What do we think about that? Uh, uh, from fifteen. That, that one was a big grower for me. Um, it, that one used to not do much for me. Uh, and then I I re-listened to it. I re-listened to the version they put out on the Field Flows box set. Um, and I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this. And now, now I would say like, it's, it's definitely like, I, I like it quite a bit. Like in terms of like the 15, not that we're talking about that album right now, but in terms of like the 15 big ones songs, like that's probably pretty high up there for me in terms of like the originals. So I think it's a fun little song. I think Dennis had some like, sort of like derogatory comment about it. He said something like, yeah, it's just some stupid song by Al or something. Like, I think he just said, it's like, it wasn't like anything too harsh, but he was just like, yeah, it's just a dumb little song or something. But I, I think it's fun. I like it. Yeah. It's very fun. It it's, is. It so, is very fun. I um, uh, I love the guitar riff uh, in Susie. Yeah. It's it is the highlight from Fifteen Big Ones. I don't really. Maybe I'm crazy, especially as a Beach Boys fan. I don't really notice a difference between the two versions. I don't think there is a difference because it says here it's just uh, Susie Cincinnati. Yeah. I feel like there's some differences, but they're not very noticeable. But it's I probably the ma- like- it's probably the mastering than anything else. Yeah. Not the mixing. Yeah. yeah. I, love I feel it. like um, maybe there's some different sound effects maybe on the on the version on like field flows versus the 15 maybe, big ones. Maybe, but like, I, I'm just I'm just looking at field was flows. Is it remixed? Just, it well, I'm not well, I'm not sure. I just feel like it sounds different to me because like I do go I do listen to the field flows version more. So I don't know. I feel like there is a difference. Like maybe like the oh no, you're sound- right. There is there is a different mix. I'm sorry. It's just because oh, okay. on this stupid thing it doesn't say, but it says on the oh, back. Okay. So that's okay. why. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was so freaking confused. I am so sorry. You are right. It is a different mix. Yeah. Um, something, some real quick note, something uh, interesting about that song. So like, um, there, apparently like there was a real Susie Cincinnati Yeah. and they actually met up with her. Like there was a real cab driver named Susie Cincinnati. Yeah. And there's a picture, if you look it up of the band, like hanging out with her in like the mid seventies, I think around like the Brian's yeah. back thing. So that's, that's really interesting yeah. to me that like they, they actually hung out with her and stuff. And I, I like the song fun lyrics, like, yeah, like Susie Cincinnati, we thought you were a winner. Number one, she came out during one of the shows in, in Cincinnati in '76. Yeah, yeah, when they were playing that song. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, All yeah. right, what, what's what, what song is next? Uh, Riley? Good time, good time. Oh, good time. That's the next, yeah, that's the next one. On uh, I'm just going through the track. Was, yeah, good time, which obviously was recorded in '70. Was 
later placed on Love You, which I like that song. I kind of like some of the lyrics are kind of crazy, like my girlfriend Penny, she's kind of skinny, so she puts her falsies on or something, which is pretty funny. That's Brian's sense of humor for you. I just don't think it belonged on Love You in its original mix. I think if they were going to put it on Love You, they should have re-recorded it like in that synth poppy style. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. just even yeah, the backing least, track too, yeah. it doesn't really fit. It doesn't fit. It doesn't really fit. Um, love you because love you is so synth poppy, and this is like more yeah. like kind of like it kind of has like different sound to it. But uh, I still like the song. Yeah, yeah. I think I said that in one of the previous episodes that like I feel like lyrically it fits in fine on Love You because it has some it like, strange lyrics, like you were saying. Weird, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. It, it does stand out a bit just or like it sticks out just because like yeah, it's like a younger vo- like Brian sounds completely different on it. Um, the production is completely different. The arrangement, it just doesn't like fit in with love you, but, um, lyrically it fits fine. So like, I, I do like the song. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a highlight for me of like the, uh, like this era or, or on a highlight from love you, but I do like it. It's a nice song. Fun. Okay. Yep. Any, any other thoughts? Okay. We're good to move on Two can play is the next one, which I think is also called games Two can games play, right? Two can play. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. It's pretty. I like the where it's like I'm fat as a cow. How I ever how get did this I ever way. get this away? Yeah, and I like to play games that two can play, and I was like, I was like, I was laying on my back. It was like last night that part. Joe South was singing. I like that song. It's pretty like it's like and I like the songs you can kind of get a peek into Brian's psyche, and I think this is one of those songs, so I quite enjoy it. That was an answer to another song. That's why he mentioned Joe South, and that it was a Joe South song called yeah. uh, yep. "Games People Play." Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. I had never heard of that song. It was a big yeah. hit back in, like, 69 or something. Hmm, okay. Yeah, yeah sense. It, it, it's one of those songs, uh, Games 2 Can Play, it's one of those songs where, like, yeah, I think it's a, an okay song, but I do see, I do get why it was, like, an outtake left from off. that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, no, I no, I'm yeah. not saying it should be on, I'm, it shouldn't be on Sunflower, but it's, yeah, it's like, a I, I don't song. think it would have fit on Sunflower. I don't think it really would have fit on Surf's Up, although there are some, like, Take a Load on, on your Off Your Feet doesn't really fit on Surf's Up, in my opinion, but... Or um, Student Demonstration Time. Well, lyrically, <laughs> lyrically, kind of, but not... Lyrically, it's not... <laughs> lyrically, it's a mess, but, you know, I guess, it, I guess it fits. It's got the themes, so whatever. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's an okay song. I know, I think, isn't it kind of on the, uh, like the adult child, uh, proposed track list isn't games. Well, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Cause I know that we always hear about adult child on the sub. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's it on here. So then we have, oh, help is on the way girls, also on adult child too. When girls get together, looks like that's an outtake from sunflower. Yeah. Uh, I think Riley, I think you said maybe it was it was you, Riley, that like you like the instrumental or the, the backing track on it, which I do as well. I think it's really cool sounding. What what's the instrument? Is like a marxophone or, or something? Is that what it's called? I, I do I do like something that, like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like the instrumental a lot. Um I do kind of hear you on I think Riley you said that like you, you could do go for it without the the lyrics, like if it was just an instrumental. I I I think I said I don't really mind the lyrics. Um I do think they're kind of stupid, but like I don't they don't really annoy me, but I do think the song could have been shorter for sure. I think I think by the time they get to like the third or fourth verse, I'm like, okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah, so but it's okay. It's okay. I yeah. like it. Sorry. Um, and then we have I Just Got My Pay. I really quite like that song. Mm-hmm. I like the theme of it. I like the way it sounds. Not to be confused with Just Got Paid, if you know that song. That's a, a Johnny <laughs> Kemp song that I think NSYNC did a cover of. 
kind of like a new jack swingy i will say though if somebody mesh if somebody meshed them together you'd probably have the ultimate working class anthem but yeah i really enjoy uh, i just got my pay really fun song i like the lyrics um i like the message it sends where it's like you know hey we don't have to have a ton of money to have fun you know we can just take what we get and just have a good time so i really like that song yeah. Um, and I think that one was first on the Good Vibrations box set, if I'm not hey, Vibrations, yeah, Marcella. Yeah, yeah. It's Marcella. Oh, yeah, yeah it is yeah. Marcella. You're right. It is yeah. Marcella. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, yeah one. Uh, it's that part because it, it I think it's a – I don't know who wrote I Just Got My Pay. But it's I think it's a Dennis song and a Brian song coming together to make Marcella. And one of those I songs – I Just Got My Pay is Brian and Al. So, right yes. so that's the part that was used for Marcella. And I love that. And I like it. I love spending my money. Right, that was used in Marcella, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. With different lyrics, different lyrics. Different yeah. lyrics, but I, I love that it's um, it, it's what became Marcella, which is one of my favorite songs from that Ricky Blondie era, which I can go on and on about. But um, awesome song on its own. I I, I can listen to that by on its own, but I'm, I am glad that they merged them. Yeah, I really like I Just Got My Pay. And like I said, I used to confuse it with Just Got Paid because it's a very yeah. similar title. But I, I actually would love to hear a mashup of that now, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, if somebody could do that, that would be really but cool. I think was that – and I think we've got to be careful with some of these um, tracks that we're looking at because some of these can bleed into Surf's Up. That's why yeah. I have this. I'm looking at the dates. But this, right, one is from, this one is from January of 70, so it's definitely yeah, Surf's right. Up, awesome. Sunflower. And then uh, we have Walkin', which was recorded in 69. Oh. That one has like a partial lead vocal and then it just dies off. You just like, Does I don't want to sing it anymore. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I listened to it one time and I don't remember it. So I'm just looking yeah, for this. Same. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that might be it that I can tell if anybody has any, because a lot of the other ones are like this, are like, like I have the whole service of like Big Sur, Help is on the way. That's all Surf's Up. Yeah. So uh, a lot of, I think Surf's Up has a lot more of those tracks that were unreleased. Because I think it was after Sunflower like failing, where they got together and they wrote like sixty songs or so for like Surfs mm -hmm. Up. Not literally sixty, but they wrote a ton more for Surfs Up. And I think I am a bit because I feel like a lot of those sessions for Surfs Up were a lot more fruitful, and you get a lot more of those better unreleased tracks than Sunflower. But I think it yeah. is worth mentioning that for Sunflower, they had so many good songs that they weren't even putting on there. Oh wait, yeah. I found the bonus. I found the bonus disc. We have oh, more. We have oh, okay. old man. We have soulful old man sunshine. Oh yeah, it's a very good. Oh, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Carl hated that song because he says sunshine in it. But oh, <laughs> yeah. how is that? How is that not on sunflower? I mean, because he didn't like the vocals. Carl's, Fair enough. Yeah, Carl didn't like the vocals. But and I know Carl was like the lead like producer at that time. But if you took out "It's About Time" and put "Soulful Old Man Sunshine" on there, the sunflower might be up in my album rankings. Oh my god, I love this song. Yeah, I saw my Beach Boys play this song. A good we song. have I'm Going Your Way, which it's a Dennis, know. yeah, that's Dennis, California Slide, yeah, yeah. Um, it's about where, where, she, where is she? Which is a really pretty song. Where could she be if she's not here with me? Um, yeah. we have Carnival Over the Waves, it's like an instrumental, is it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then I think that's it because everything else is like, oh no, we have oh, the, that's that, but obviously back home, we have back home too. I think that's from yeah. 70, right? Right. Yeah. There was a demo or something at that point. Yeah, and then I know I've heard, the, I've heard the one from the 60s, and I've heard the one from 63, the 63, 70, and then the 75 was the one on 50 big ones. Yeah, they, they did a gajillion versions of that. My Solution, that's Surf's Up, right? Yes. Oh, that's... Is it? I believe it oh, is. Wait, October, October, October. Yeah. Environmental right. time or writing spot for the band. 
Um, yeah, it looks like that might be it. They did a cover of You Never Give Me Your Money. It's 40 seconds long. Yeah, it's like a little keyboard thing. Yeah, yeah I've heard it, yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like that might be it, because everything else looks like 71, so. Yeah. Okay. If there's anything else I, I didn't mention, if anybody else wants to I do want to. I do want to briefly mention uh, two things. One, uh, one of you guys was saying, I forget which one of you, but you, how you confused one song's title with another song with a similar title. Was that you, Matt? You said? Yeah, so it's... I just got my pay and just got paid. They're very similar titled. So like, it's like, I'm just saying not to be confused. So they're completely, conf- they're completely different songs, but like I said, they have very similar titles. So I confuse the song is it the beach boys. One is help is on the way, right? Is that what it's called? Help is on the way. But yep, then there's yeah. a song by little river band help is on its way, which has like uh, a really similar title. And I always mix those up all the time. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, I did want to mention, I don't know if this counts as like a Sunflower era track, but like I know it was released around the time Sunflower came out as a single, the Dennis single, uh, like Sound of Free with yeah. uh, Lady. Uh, I love both yeah. of those songs. Those are both uh, I think great they're songs. great. Sound of Free, great rock song, a lot of energy to it. Love that, love like the guitar solo on it towards the end. Uh, and Lady is just like so pretty. So uh, atmospheric. It's one of yeah, it's it's one of, it's like a very simple song, but like I really love it. I love the production on it. Uh, also, really like the American Spring version of it as well. I think yeah, so. These, actually, these were these were recorded. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, yeah. Lady was recorded in '69. Sound of Free was recorded in '70. They both were released in '70, though. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I think they did uh, a- no, but love love Lady a lot though. It's a great song. And then the Seasons in the Sun was technically yeah. recorded about a month before the song came out, which I know. Uh, Mike really hated this song. He said it's like it was so wimpy we <laughs> had to cut it. And if I'm not mistaken, did they actually yeah. take they took the backing vocals out right on this version? Because there's a version with has the backing vocals that is not yeah. on here. Yeah, I like I love that song. I mean, I know it's a cover. But, well, uh, technically they sang it first, but yeah, yeah. So my take on it, I know that like that. I know that like the actual song, like the popular version by I think Terry Jacks is the name. Terry Jacks, um, yeah. I know that's like that's made some lists of like the worst songs of all time. I actually kind of like it. Yeah, it's well, a guilty pleasure for me. I yeah, do think pleasure. the Beach Boys version though is very wimpy. I totally agree with that. And I don't think it fits at all on some, so I'm glad that that was just left off the albums. Yeah. I don't think yeah, it, yeah. Even Mike it sounds, said it was, it sounds weak. It sounds weak. Even it Mike does, said it was yeah. so wimpy. We had to cut it away. I don't know. It's fine. It's fun it. to listen to, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's whatever. I mean, they had some, so. they had some wimpy stuff over the years. Let's be honest. So, <laughs> That's true. That's true. I love it. No, yeah, but um, I, so there's I, definitely some cool cuts off here. But yeah, like obviously, Soulful Old Man Sunshine. That's a really good song. Yeah. Why was that not on here? Just tack it on. I think the album's only like half an hour, anyways. Tack it on. <laughs> Just put it on there. Just put it on there, right? Yeah, no, but uh, lots of cool outtakes. I mean, obviously, it's a great album. And it's so cool because this was like they were so prolific at this time. So there was so much cool stuff yeah. coming out. And I, I, I don't think you were here, Riley, but I was. I, we were talking about beforehand. Is like I have the Super Audio CD version of it. And I wish I had a Super Odyssey player because this has the quadraphonic mix that was never officially released back in the day. But unfortunately, I don't have one because that format died a quick death. Oh. <laughs> you can't really see because of my background, but I have my, my original pressing of Sunflower. That's one of my crown jewels of my record collection. I, oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, hell yeah. I also have my Feel Flows box set, but I didn't bring it over. I didn't, I didn't bother getting it. Do you have it on vinyl or CD? I have it on CD. I have it on vinyl. I, I mean, I, I just wanted a vinyl version of Big Sur. But <laughs> okay, fair. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I have the I have the analog productions, so um, it's really cool. I'm glad I have it. Um, I just wish I had a Super Audio CD player so I could play the quadraphonic mix. But it's enough of me ranting about that for one day. 
Yes. <laughs> um, so since we've gone through most of the bonus material from around that era, I guess uh, kind of to wrap it up here, I want to go over some of the uh, some things that like the critics were saying about this album, both like at the time and, and maybe more recently as well. Um, so I wrote down a few things that stood out to me. So um, I know the popular critic, uh, Robert, what's his name? Is it Chris? Christ 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 yeah. Christ so he said he said that um, he thinks he said that it's a sunflower is a far more satisfying, I suspect, than, than smile ever would have been, which oh, is wow. a really interesting quote, just because it's like, you know, smile is such a revered album you know yeah, um, well, so yeah. Christ God, to hear him say that. a little bit about that with christ christ god has off has long said he thought the idea of smile was overrated and then he heard brian <laughs> wilson present smile which he gave an a plus which is very rare for him he didn't give those out very often and named it he used to run the if you if you're familiar with the paz and jot poll he used to run that for a very long time he ranked that as his number one for 2004 so he was eventually won over by it but yeah he wasn't he kind of thought the whole idea of it was overrated for a long time but mm -hmm. i know he like he gave this an a minus right he liked this one a lot yeah. And he, yeah. he went on to say that um, he, he said he added that the same medium, honest sensibility and Southern California ethos of their 60s music remains. Only now they sing about broken marriages and the pleasure of life. Still a lot of fun, too. Uh, I don't really know how many songs on Sunflower are about like broken marriages. To me, it's mostly happy. Here's the morning. Oh, yeah, morning. that's right. Here's the yeah. morning, right? Well, okay, <laughs> so Christ is is fun to read, but sometimes even I don't know where he gets this stuff. And I've, I've said this before. I need a thesaurus sometimes right next to me when I read his reviews because, my God, some of these words he puts in those reviews, I'm like, where the hell is he getting this from? Yes. <laughs> uh, another quote was from David Leaf, who's like obviously a very popular, respected Beach Boys like biographer. Um, yeah. He said uh, he summarized the work as the first album that could come close to Pet Sounds on a production level. Uh, partly the result of engineer Steve Desper's fine work. The Beach Boys harmonies were present in a way they hadn't been since summer days, and it was probably the truest group effort ever, and that it was a showcase for all the individuals in the band, which, I mean, I, I totally agree with all of that. I agree. Uh, I agree it, yeah. Production is great. Uh, it's great hearing everyone involved. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great like group effort. So I agree with all of that. Um, a couple other things. Uh, this album was voted at number 380 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time First in 2003. Time. Which First is, list. Yeah, oh, uh, which is pretty cool. Again, it's like a lot of those lists, you know, it's kind of like who cares what people, you know, who cares where they rank some of these albums, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. But like, it, yeah. it's fun. To, it's cool to see it on there. I'm glad to see it getting recognized. It was a lost uh, album for a long time. It was. And then, and nobody, it, yeah. The Guardian ranked it at number 66 on the 100 best albums ever in 97. And it's in it was on Colin Larkin's all time top 1000 albums. Yeah, it definitely like it's always been it's always been like a lost classic in a way. It's just that with these lists and all the Internet stuff, it kind of has become more well known. But I have a bone to pick with that. The Rolling Stones they did recently. I don't know what the hell that was. But <laughs> oh, my God. It, the thing that like quickly, because like, I don't want to go over that like crap for a long time. But I, I optimism, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, but it, it, it's like being a horse with a dead stick, but it's it, or dead horse with a stick or something like, but there's too many compil. There's like compilation albums on there. Like, what the hell? Oh, that too. No. Well, that's a problem. But I also think a lot of it was poptimism. I think what right. they were trying to do, which is like, again, there's nothing wrong with liking pop music. I love pop music, but it's almost like we've kind of zigged in the other direction where it's like, OK, now all this stuff is overrated. And now let's just try to hype up Beyonce and Taylor Swift. But do they really need to be hyped up anymore? <laughs> right. I think. The most egregious was Harry Styles' Fine Line was on that album, was on that list, and it had come out like six months earlier. I'm telling you right now, Rob Sheffield. Rob Sheffield got that on that list because he fucking loves Harry Styles. He sucks his you-know-what all the time. 
Like, he's fine, but come on. There's nothing Harry Styles has done that other artists haven't done better. But uh, it's just, I don't know. Let's let's get past that topic. I'm sure we could do a whole episode about <laughs> Oh, we could. Oh, yeah, oh, we, we should. We could, we could do our ranting and raving. But no, no, you're right. You're right. Um, but no, honestly, it is really cool that it was on the list the first time around. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Party and loved it, too, which is awesome. It, it's great to get recognition. It's a wonderful record. You know, its legacy holds up, obviously. The Beach Boys in general, their legacy holds up. So it's awesome. That's all I have um, to say. <laughs> Uh, another quote. This one's actually from from Bruce. Uh, Bruce had said before this is his favorite Beach Boys album, uh, which is pretty interesting um, because you, you know considering that you know the, he was involved in so many other albums over the years. Yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of them obviously sold a lot better than Sunflower did. But for him to say that you know this is his favorite album, I think it says a lot about like how the members feel about you know the quality of work that they were yeah. producing around that time. So I think that's really cool. Um, and he said uh, he, he said he considered it to be the last true Beach Boys album because it was the last to feature Brian's input and active involvement. Now, I think that was before Love You, maybe when he said that. Um, but but that's that's pretty cool. Uh, he I do find it funny, though, that he says that he regretted the inclusion of his two songs, saying that Tears in the Morning was too pop and that I wish I hadn't recorded Deirdre with the group. Um, I'm glad that I'm he did reading that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy he did record Deirdre with the group because I think it's a great yeah. song. Um, yeah. Tears in the Morning. I, I I guess I could see that more as like a Bruce solo song, but oh, uh, yeah. I think it's a good song. Or he could have gave it to Barry Manilow, like he did. I write the songs, right? There you go. Yeah. Right. Which I still what's think it's funny opinion? that. I'm sorry. What? No, I was gonna say what. What's our opinion on that song? By the way, I write the songs. I write the songs. Yeah. It's. I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of Barry Manilow, so it's like it's whatever to yeah. me. I think it's funny, though, that he was the first to win, which, again, w briefly, the Grammys suck. We know that. But this is proof that yeah. the Beach Boys never won a Grammy, but he writes a, he wins a Grammy for I Write the Songs. And even even Bruce said, he's like, how, how, how do I have a Grammy and yeah. Brian doesn't? We could do a whole thing about the Grammys. I mean, I could go <laughs> every single year. I could find something that doesn't make any sense with them. So we'll, we'll just we'll save that topic for another day. Uh, and I guess one last quote I have about Sunflower was from Brian. Uh, he said that he attributes the staying power of Sunflower to the spiritual love of the music, which I think is a, a cool quote. Um, I know I know we were saying how like Brian said that like he wasn't uh, how like all I want to do wasn't one of his favorite songs on here. So maybe like he has a few songs on here. I think he said something about Cool Cool Water that he felt like it could have been better, too. Um, but I think overall he likes this album as well. And uh, yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was, it's one of those albums that I think it was released at a point where like Brian was uh, a lot more active, you know, he was getting, obviously he wasn't involved in 2020 much. He had, you know, checked into like a hospital and stuff, but I think yeah. uh, around this time when they switched labels, he had a lot of uh, optimism and confidence. So I think that inspired him to write a lot of songs. And if this album had sold better, who knows, that Brian might've, you know, kept up the, uh, the songwriting for, for many years to come. But I think the fact that this bombed so hard commercially, it really sucked yeah. a lot of the, so. And his, 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 uh, his psyche was already pretty fragile as it was. And I think that it just was like, you know, another, it was like another brick. It was like another you know chip in the thing. It wasn't good, but no. Yeah. Um, honestly though, I'm just glad. One thing I really like about the beach boys is like, even if the stuff didn't sell at the time, it is nice to, and I've argued this on the sub too. Cause some people have argued like, Oh, well the stuff wasn't selling as good. Again, like I've said before, sales are nice. But at the end of the day, I think what really matters is the is the legacy you have with the music, because a lot of stuff that didn't sell that good was very impactful. And then you have stuff that sold a bunch and nobody cares about it. So it's like, yeah, right. You know, nobody cares about it. 20 years later, I, I made the joke about hooting the blowfish. Seriously, who who is citing hooting the blowfish as an influence? <laughs> nobody I know. Right. 
Yeah, no, and it's, I, I do, I hope that, like, even, like, even today, like, you know, I don't know, obviously, like, if, you know, I, I kind of doubt Brian's seeing a lot of things that people are saying about the Beach Boys music these days, but, like, I do hope that, like, all of the members do kind of, like, know, like, how appreciated this album is now. I think most of them do. Um, I also yeah. wish, like, another one of the reasons um, that, you know, I wish Carl was still with us is, be you know, I, I feel like he would really appreciate all of the, you know, the appreciation that this album has gotten in recent years, you know, because I know uh, Carl, you know, had a lot to do with this album. He had made some mm. great con contributions to it. So uh, I wish he could have heard some of the comments that people have made about it because it's it's just a, a great, a great album. So it is, too. it is. Dennis was still here, too. Yeah, Dennis yeah, apparently oh, was always. Hey, Dennis. I've, right. I've read anecdotes that Dennis was always really humbled by people. Like, I, I remember reading the story of this guy that told him how much he loved Pacific Ocean Blue. And Dennis is like, you you know that record exists. And he's like, Dennis, I bought it the day it came out. It was like, it's always nice to see how humble these guys were towards, like, some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so I, I, I think we've covered just about everything there is to cover with Sunflower. Uh, do you guys have any other final thoughts or anything else you want to share that you didn't have a chance to say earlier? You have any thoughts, Riley? I know you joined late. This was this was one of the first albums um, by the band that I got really got into when I was starting to like getting the deep dive in there. And um, a lot of a lot of those albums that I was getting into, like even Smiley Smile, and a lot of and um, I think Twenty Twenty, I loved those albums. But then I started getting more into the deep dive, and I kind of have like my final like thoughts on them. Sunflower is one of those albums that has a lot of staying power with me. Compared to like a lot of those other ones, I played that nonstop, and I don't think I've ever gotten tired of it. Um, and, and it's still one of my favorite albums of all time. And I, I'm just—it was the first album that made me go, "What the fuck?" with the, with the band. Like, I mean, I knew Pet Sounds, but even Pet Sounds didn't hit with me until after I already loved Sunflower. I loved yeah. Sunflower before I loved Pet Sounds, and I, I think that just goes to show like how awesome this album is, how unique it is in the discography. And just like, I think Pet Sounds also suffers from maybe like overhype, if you will, because it's been yeah. hyped up for so long. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing that happened to Sgt. Peppers for a long time because it was seen as like, this is the best album of all time. And if you don't agree, you're yeah. wrong. But it's like people got tired yeah. of it after a while because it's like oh, it just yeah. got so vaunted, you know? Yeah. Well, and it... something, sorry, something interesting too about like you were saying about Pet Sounds. I would argue maybe this is a, a little bit of a hot take, but I don't know if it really is that I feel like Sunflower to like a casual listener. Like who who you know isn't too familiar with like the Beach Boys catalog or even necessarily music in general from that period. I feel like Sunflower is a more accessible album than Pet Sounds. Yeah, I would say so because like, Pet Sounds is you really have to be first of all you have to be tuned into like the what it's talking about for one thing because it's very mm -hmm. like heavy in parts and also it's like I've seen people often say it sounds too Christmassy, which is another because some of the production stuff. This has so much production that aged so well that it. I mean, fifty years ago was ahead of time. It still sounds fresh to this day. It's like David Bowie's. Yeah. It's like David Bowie's Low. That was recorded in 77. Oh my God, that sounds like it could have been released yesterday. It still sounds right. so fresh. And I kind of feel a lot of this is the same way. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think with Pet Sounds, for me, like, I think Pet Sounds is as great as everybody says it is. But this one is just so much more accessible and so... so conventional. Of its, yeah, yeah, conventional. Ahead of its time. It, it, can sound, it still sounds modern. I think if you played this to anybody, they, they'd be like, oh, this, well, this is really cool. What band is this? And right, well, it's the Beach Boys, and I, I really, I really love Sunflower. It's one of those albums that really stayed with me over the years, and I've never gotten tired of it. And I can only say that for about five or so albums that I've never truly gotten tired with it. So yeah, 
I think Wild Honey too is kind of like that too. It's kind of accessible and it like especially with like the revival of like the bedroom pop stuff, it kind of aged well. You you do the modern mix though. The, the yes, I agree yeah. with that because it's kind of yeah. muddy in its original form. But with the modern mix, good to go. So. No, yeah, kind of what yeah you you were saying, Riley. Like in terms of like you know like albums that you really like or listen through all the way, like. There aren't too many of those for me, honestly, like albums where like there are like no tracks that I skip, you know, and uh, I there's a lot of artists and musicians that I like. And dude, there are quite a few albums that I really love besides, you know, not just Beach Boys albums. There's a lot of albums I love from like the Beatles where there's not really any skippable tracks. Uh, ELO is another band I really love. Um, but, uh, this is for me, this album, uh, there, there's no skips for me. I, I listened to it all the way through. I mentioned on my album ranking that this album and love you are the two beach boys albums. I think I listened through all the way the most, uh, just because I, I really just, I love it as a whole. I think it works great. I think the songwriting is strong. I think the production is strong and I think overall it's just a really cohesive and, and well-produced album. And, uh, I'm glad that it's getting a lot more recognition today than it had, you know, when it was released, because I think this is, you know, this is an album that really deserved to do really well. And it should have been the the album that really like allowed for that, you know, the Beach Boys resurgence. But unfortunately, with their public image at the time, it just wasn't meant to be. But, um, you know, when, when we do our Surf's Up episode, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, like the, the band's rising success around that time. Obviously, that album did a lot better commercially yeah. with with jack riley and everything but we'll that we'll save that for another day so yeah one last uh, thing i want to say before we oh, yeah. wrap up <laughs> supposedly this album the cover and the name was inspired by a pack of sunflower seeds that carl liked that he saw what oh, i read that's cool. So, that's cool that's why it's called sunflower but i don't know that's, that's awesome I think that's, all right so uh, i think we're good to stop all right cool so uh thank you everybody for listening to this fourth episode of the good time in podcast I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the show. I uh, had a lot of fun talking with all of you guys about Sunflower and discussing the album's history, the background, all the tracks. Uh, we definitely do plan on doing more episodes like this in the future where we'll cover specific Beach, Boy Beach Boys albums in general uh, and discuss them as a group. Uh, as always, if you like this podcast and want to hear more, feel free to subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. Uh, we greatly appreciate the support as it motivates us to make more Beach Boys content in the future. So, uh, thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>